5021 David, we got a fender down and two GSWs to the chest. I need you to meet us at Molly's. <laughs> For the most powerful podcast on the planet. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Leroy Hawkins, and if you're not listening, you obviously ain't learning. Copy that. Sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 182 of Meet Us at Molly's. We did it, guys. We survived another full season. We did the thing. It's crazy. I mean, it feels like we just started, but also, I'm, you know we're here and it's just it's been a wild season it's been a wild season yeah so tonight we're covering or today since you're gonna listen to this on friday we're covering the season finales that you watched this week 616 916 and 816 all right i can't speak for brenna but i can tell you that i'm in like the perfect spot to be discussing some season finales i'm a little tipsy i'm in my feels like I'm in like the prime spot. I can't really speak for Bryna, but but we'll see how the next uh, three hours or so goes. Oh man, I am ready. I I am ready. <laughs> I I yeah <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. Well, I don't even have anything to, like a general statement to make. It's just I have like distinct opinions about each separate show. So I'll just I just I guess I'll ask you this general question: Did you overall enjoy finale night? Is it what you thought it would be, or? No, I never enjoy finale night. It gives me anxiety. I, well, I guess part of it. One hour of it I really enjoyed. PD, yeah. I I don't know. I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. Generally. Uh, In terms of I'm making the overall hour, three hour statement. No, I never like finale night. It's very stressful and very intense. And then you're just like, my people, where, where are they for the next three months? Like... Really, honestly, more what I'm sure. I'm like, wait, we have to go through another hiatus. Like, yeah. what? Didn't we just finish one? Yeah, I'm no. like, didn't we just finish one? Okay, so we don't have any news. Um, we didn't really see any postmortems. There was just a lot of like pre. There were talk. no post. I, I think because they didn't send out screeners. Yeah, I think I think, and that you know, we when we talked to Derek last week, he was saying, I mean, they were still trying to finish editing. So, like, I think they just didn't send out screeners. So there were a lot of preview pieces. Yeah, but no, no postmortems. No, so not really, no news and no episode descriptions. Not from not until like August now. So that's sad. But I'm so sad. Yeah, so we'll just skip right through the news and we will skip to the patron shout outs because we've got three new patrons. Welcome aboard, y'all. Okay, so first one up is Phoenix Douglas. Phoenix, welcome to the fam. Phoenix is a gorgeous name, by the way. Gorgeous. I do like that name. Mm -hmm. Um, Next up, we have Gabrielle Fitzgerald. Gabrielle, welcome to the family. Yay. And the last one is Julianne. And I might butcher this last name and I'm so sorry if I do, but I'm going to go with Bear. I had a teacher's assistant in grad school whose last name was Bear, and it was only one letter off. I'm probably dead wrong and I'm really sorry about that, but welcome to the patron family. Yeah. Make sure you guys uh, join the Facebook group too. So you can really stay connected with all of us and it's always popping in there. So always pop in. We're always sharing our deepest, darkest one Chicago theories. And don't forget, we've got a patron happy hour next week. Yes. Patron happy hour. As in me and Bryna 
on Zoom with all of you. And we're just talking when Chicago, answering questions, whatever you guys want. Yeah, we don't really have a game plan. We're just gonna- We're just gonna yeah. hang out. Yeah, just gonna hang. So <laughs> yeah, if you'd, like, if you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check out the link in our socials to our Patreon page. That would be awesome because we've got all sorts of cool perks in there. There's a- the Facebook group, there's bonus episodes, there's the discount merch to the discount. merch store. Yeah. Yeah. All sorts of cool stuff. So definitely check that out. All right. Moving into the episodes, shall we? Let's just do it. Rip off Let's the just do this. Yeah. We're just going to rip this bandaid. Okay. So I got to be bluntly honest about med. I'm just going to jump in and be blunt. Okay. Is that okay? That's what we do. That's what we do. This felt like a pretty half-assed finale. It didn't feel like a finale. Right. It felt like another episode. Yeah. It just And maybe it's because we know that Yaya and Tori are leaving, so that cliffhanger didn't even feel like a cliffhanger. I don't know, but it did not feel like a finale at all. No, it really didn't. It, like, really it felt didn't. like a fine episode. Not a and so that makes for like a mm, not so great finale. Yeah, this just, this just was, this wasn't a strong finale. I'm just going to, I'm going to flat out say it. This was not a strong finale. No, it wasn't. I 100% agree. Yeah, not strong. So, okay. We're going to start off with Natalie and Carol, because there were a lot of moving parts to this episode. It's just that some of them were interesting. Some of them were not. Other ones, I was like, why, why are we even here? Like, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. Okay. So we'll start off with Natalie and her mom. So they found a heart. They found a heart for Natalie's mom. Awesome. The one bonus we get out of this episode is we get a Dr. Latham sighting. I know. It was so nice. I think that's the first time this season we've seen him. And so it was like really nice to see him again. I always love when we when he comes back. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right that this is the first time we see him all season, which is awesome. I, yeah, same. I always love when he comes back. So, okay. There's a match for Natalie's mom, but there's some technicalities. Okay. So this heart, it's got a benign tumor in it. And it's being transferred via this like experimental method called warm perfusion. And so Natalie is like, why the hell are we even doing this? If this is all like complicated, it's because the blood type match, apparently straight up AB is like a really rare blood type. The more, you know, dude, you learn a lot of things from Chicago med. I don't know. Um, but that just makes it like way too good to pass up. And what happens is this heart gets transported in like a giant, like robot machine. I don't, I don't really know how else to explain it. I don't know if you, because I know you weren't necessarily watching live, but did you see the Wolf Entertainment tweets about how this is apparently like a real machine and a real technology they're playing with? And they partnered with, I forget the name of the company, but like to have to use one of their machines for this episode. I did see that. Yeah, I, I thought that's so cool. I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't understand this machine. I mean, I guess I kind of get it. But like, I think it's so cool that they're actually like partnering with actual medical technology companies to make the episodes happen i think that's so cool yeah that was really cool i thought that was cool but of course the first thing i think which like they're seeing i'm seeing this heart being transported in like this giant machine i'm like man if only that had been a thing when dan scott got his heart i know i know never forget the time the dog ate the heart well it also made me think of Grey's anatomy too did a dog eat a heart on Grey's? no not that the um Oh, what? It's in, it's a Christina Yang. It's the heart in a box episode. I can't even think of it right now, but I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, it made me think of that too. Nice. Love it. Love it. So 
Yeah, I mean, so Crockett and Nat have this cute little moment right before they bring Carol in and Crockett just gives her this cute little reassurance and he's like, Nat, like it's going to work out. It's like so reassuring. I don't know. I hear Crockett talk and I'm like, oh yeah, everything's going to be okay. Crockett is always the saving grace of every episode. I just like, Crockett does anything and I'm like, okay, this is a good episode. I can like survive any episode as long as Crockett's there. That's the point we've hit now with Crockett. It's like, you've got Jay's calm voice on PD and then you've got Crockett just saying anything on Mad. And the minute Crockett says anything, you're like, okay, everything's okay. Yeah, just, yeah. Just Crockett is just, I I need like a Crockett defense squad shirt. I, that's the one I need. We will work on that. We We need a whole series because everyone on our D or in our mentions yesterday was like, oh, I need a Brett one. I needed this one. And I'm like, I guess we're gonna have to do a whole series of them. So that's fine. That's fine. Can work with that. So Yeah, so that the whole plan is that Crockett is going to remove this tumor from the heart and then Latham is going to do the transplant. And so these two working together is actually kind of fun because Latham's like, I finished my part. Where the hell's the heart? And then Crockett's like, I'm pretty sure I told you that I was going to remove this tumor before I did so. He's just very calm and assured of himself. And he's just like, you need to wait. Hang on. So yeah, it kind of felt very much like a yin and yang situation, like something about the way they work, just balance each other out. And it was just such a fun dynamic to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was great. And then before Latham, when Latham gets the heart and he goes to place it in before he does so, he says a prayer in Hebrew. I love that. That was so cool. That was so cool. Do you know specifically what that prayer means? I honestly, I was, I meant to look at, pay attention, more closer attention when I was watching, rewatching, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't, so no, but I heard the Hebrew and I thought it was pretty cool. I think that's really nice. Like, I, I, I've heard stories about a couple of doctors who will say prayers before they operate, like, over the patient. Like, that's nice. Mm-hmm. It's just nice. So uh, the Wolf Entertainment account had tweeted that, you know, Otto Essendo, he had worked with the Hebrew coach to make sure he got that exactly right. So I, I love the attention cool. to detail. Yeah. Yeah. Otto would be a fun interview. I know we always say that, but like he would be a fun interview. Oh my God. We have to, we should make that happen. I know. Right. Right. This summer. (sighs) We're going to have to fill the time. So Uh, yeah, we've got time y'all sadly, but everything goes well in the operation. The one thing that I found kind of odd is that like Natalie's able to watch her mom's entire heart transplant. It's because she works at med, but it's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. That's yeah. I don't know if I'd want to see that. No way. No way in hell. Well, you'd be one thing if I was like observing a random stranger surgery, but not my mom's. No, no. way. No way. Yeah. So I, th- I found that a little odd. But then, okay. So we, we get up to the green screen balcony. You guys, we've got to talk about this green screen balcony. Okay. I thought this was the worst one <laughs> yet. The green screen balcony on Med is becoming a recurring bit. I don't know if they intend to do this or not, but it's literally becoming a recurring bit where you can tell because like the background will move, but they won't. And you can totally tell that it's a fake background. But in this case, it's a daytime shot, right? And the daytime shot does not even match the nighttime skyline that they use. When I feel like it's just gone downhill all season. Like, I feel like the first time they did it, it looked awesome. Didn't even know it was like a real green screen. Mm-hmm. And then it was like the next time it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you could definitely tell this green screen. And then it's just gotten like worse and worse and worse. And I think this one is not, it's by far the worst one. All of a sudden there's like plants up on the rooftop deck. Like, it's just <laughs> like, we know it's a green screen. We know y'all, we know. But yeah, part of me is like cringe, but the other part of me is like, I hope they never change this. And this is just a recurring bit because I'm kind of enjoying it. 
Well, now I guess the question is, okay, Natalie's leaving. That used to be Mansell's spot. Who else is going to go up there? That is a good I mean, question. yes, over the years, we've seen other characters have conversations up there. But this season, it's basically been almost all exclusively Mansell. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, is that just going to be Crockett's spot? And we'll see Crockett and any other characters interact up, up there? I mean, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But Natalie and Crockett have a very sweet conversation. It's a little odd, but it's a little sweet. I wasn't fair to you. (laughs) I wasn't fair and I wasn't honest. Look, I understand why you kept me out. Just wish you felt you could have trusted me. How's that for irony? I was always talking to you about commitment that you needed to trust. (laughs) Look, Natalie, I want you to know, regardless of everything, I'll always be grateful to you. Why? Well, my, my life was pretty empty till I met you. It's closed off, a lot of fears. You show me what could be. Try to take a chance. Okay, but this sounds like a goodbye. But like we, at this point, we don't even know that Natalie's leaving. I know it really felt like one. Wasn't that weird? It was so weird. I mean, it was sweet, and I appreciated it. And like my Mansell heart was like, okay, yes, but it felt really weird. Yeah, it felt really weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's our Mansell closure. I guess. How do you feel about that? I'm just sad. I mean, I thought it was fine for closure. Like, I'm not mad about that. If that is our closure, I'm okay with that scene. Mm -hmm. I'm just sad because I felt like those two actually had potential. And it's just kind of been like, uh, I don't know. God, they they had so much potential. Uh, yeah and we got to see just a very small glimpse of it and so I I think I'll always forever be a little bitter about it Mm -hmm. but I'm okay like if that is our closure I'm I'm okay not bad for a brand new ship right I mean some ships that get a million seasons don't get proper closure so you know yeah for sure I mean there are some other ships on this show who didn't get the closure you know Amen to that. Okay, so Will gets called to see Goodwin. And I know this seems like, well, what the hell? We're talking Natalie, but now we're going to talk Will. Oh, it's all related, I promise. Okay, Will gets called to see Goodwin, and this happens. It's my understanding that you took drugs from the trial and gave them to Dr. Manning's mother without authorization. That's correct. As a result, Dr. Halstead, Kinder has pulled the trial from this hospital which you know has major financial implications. There's the immediate loss of revenue, of course, but it's also safe to assume that Kinder will be reluctant to run trials here in the future. You have anything to say? Miss Goodwin, I was trying to help a patient in desperate need. (laughs) At the expense of the trial? And all the other patients that might benefit from it. You know, you asked me last summer why I didn't name you as chief of the ED. And it's precisely this kind of reckless behavior that at this point, I have no choice but to address. 
You're fired. Dr. Hall's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, William. William. It's so good. Like, we've waited for it for so long, but now that it's happened, it's both, like, not satisfying, but at the same time, like, kind of satisfying. Oh, I thought that was so sad. I mean... I guess I'll say this. I feel like it's not satisfying only in the fact that I know Will's going to get rehired only because I know Natalie's leaving. Aside from that fact, if I ignore that fact, I thought it was really satisfying. I was like, yes, Goodwin, you go. This is everything we've wanted you to do for six fucking seasons. <laughs> <laughs> like everything, every emotion she wore on her face. I was like, yes, Goodwin, yes. Okay, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by warning you guys that the Will Halstead defense squad is going to kick in here momentarily. Okay, oh, so uh, the the whole you're fired thing, it makes me laugh because I know he is going to get rehired. If he was actually going to get fired, I was going to be like, no but I know he's going to get rehired. So like laughing hysterically is okay in my opinion. But the thing that killed me the most about this and the reason I laughed so hard was this jerk's face when she says you're fired. Six seasons of bullshit where you ignore DNRs, you ignore patients' wishes, you fuck up clinical trials, you jeopardize people's careers and you're surprised? What? I know, I know. I was like, what the fuck, William? The audacity. Oh my gosh. But also it gets even better than that because yeah, she fires him. But then every time Will's just like, "Eh, eh," all Goodwin does is put her hand up and he's just quiet. I'm, that's what I'm telling you. Goodwin in this scene is literally everything we've been wanting her to do for six fucking years. It is magic. It's so good. I only (laughs) wish it was going to be towards someone who actually does or I mean will deserve to be fired but like it was actually you know a decision that was going to stick right I feel that's okay the only laughing thing, about it that's the only reason the scene I mean it works but it, you know it could be like 100% great but it's like 90% great yeah and, and again the reason I feel okay laughing about this is because we all know will's getting rehired like it come on we all know so it may that's... take an episode or two but he's getting rehired yeah and that that's why I'm like laughing hysterically about it because I'm just like he's gonna get his job back but also like he had the audacity to be surprised <laughs> oh it makes me laugh so hard oh, and then just the hand the hand good one is a queen I need every reaction of Goodwin's in that scene gift immediately I will work on that as soon as I get the free time which we'll see so I will work on that it was just so perfect oh chef's kiss so Natalie's mom pulled through surgery all as well Crockett tells Natalie about Will and that leads to this moment Goodwin fired you Let it go, Nat. Because of my mom's pills? Will, did you tell her you took them? Answer me. I had to. Why? Well, That's everything. Everything we've been through. Everything we've been to each other. What else can I do? Tell the truth. No, I think, uh, I think a change will do me good. No, Will, I'm sorry. I, ca- I cannot let you do this. Ned, I'm okay. <sighs> really? Will, please. Don't do this. It's done, Ned. It's done. 
Okay, so that's our Manstead closure. That's the last Manstead scene that we might ever get. Yeah, ever, might ever get, yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Is that a hot take? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But I definitely thought that was like, I, I I felt what Will was saying in that moment when he's like, no, you know, like he was like, of course I did it for you. You know, like I felt what Will was feeling in that moment. Yeah. It and was, I believed it. It was very much an, like, it was very much a, how could I not take the fall for you after everything we've done together? I feel it was very similar to when Mills like kissed Gabby before he left as in like an, I will always love you type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I know we've been talking about for a while, like we, like, you know, in the last couple of weeks, like why will, like, why are you such an idiot? Like, why would you do this? And like, as if that is his reason, which I obviously believe it is like, I, you know, I'm okay with that. I mean, I still think you were an idiot and I don't think you should have done it, but like, I can be okay with it if that is his reasoning. Cause it felt so genuine. Same, same. Yep. Yep. And, and it makes total sense for Will. Yeah. So that's fine. That's fine. So the end of the episode, Sharon's trying to leave med and Natalie chases after her and she confesses. She's like, it was me. Like I need to be fired. Not will. I'm the one who stole the trial meds and Sharon's face right before they faded the credits. Sharon's face is totally like son of a bitch. Like (laughs) (laughs) she's like, I can't stand these people. My God. Yeah. I, it felt so anticlimactic. And I think it's because we know Tori's leaving. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have felt anticlimactic even if Tori had said, come out and said, oh, yeah, I'll be in season seven, only because we've kind of predicted this whole storyline like weeks ago. Yeah. It just, yeah. it felt so, I was like, oh, okay. And then it faded to black and I was like, okay. That's it? Cool. Yeah. 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 But Sharon's face was so funny. Sharon's face was just like, bitch, I'm trying to go home and you're going to lay this on me now? Like, really? (laughs) Oh, man. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Sharon's life will get any easier without Natalie. No, she still has Will. She still has Will. And now she has Archer, but we'll get into that. I know. I know. I know. All right. So Allie sent us a message. She said, is Will leaving? It really felt like more of a Will goodbye than a Natalie goodbye. Even if Natalie writes some formal statement taking the blame, I still don't see how Will can be fully exonerated given his involvement in the whole situation. And he seemed pretty at peace with leaving. But then again, it is med. So anything is possible. I don't think that was a Will goodbye. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a Natalie goodbye. And then, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. They will exonerate Will because they always find a way. Yeah. (laughs) So Casey said, I was a little confused by the ending of Med. With Tori and Yaya leaving the show, I thought we'd get more closure to the storylines. Like next season, is Natalie just going to be gone and Crockett won't know why? And then she goes on and says something about Yaya, which I'll just go ahead and read. This is, and I think it would have made more sense for April to do an NP program elsewhere, maybe where Noah is, because technically she'd still be around Med in theory. The ending for me was a little anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. And if Natalie just up and leaves without Crockett knowing why, it won't be the first time a one Chicago character got ghosted. Do you think this is going to be similar to like a Colin Donald or to like he, they'd come back for like one episode in the beginning? I could totally see it happening just because both exits felt very anticlimactic. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, you know, listen to my conversation with Jeff and Steve, I mean, they didn't know. Like, mm-hmm. they knew that there were rumors and obviously it was the possibility, but they didn't know. Mm-hmm. So, like, they wrote it, you know, thinking they would probably be back, I guess. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if it was a similar situation when Monica was leaving. 
really when any character's leaving, that's got to be really hard to like have to change your entire game plan when you find out hours before the listeners. Mm-hmm. Thanks, deadline. Yeah. Jerks. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But I don't know. I definitely think they could potentially come back because they just that that feels so not if they leave and we hear about it off air it's just gonna feel so weird i yeah i mean anything can really be easily wrapped up with like a side note from doris being like well now that april's gone at the nurse protection practitioner program or like now that natalie's been fired you know yeah yeah that so so we'll see we'll see i don't know so Next up is Ethan. Man, they really were like, let's just put Ethan through the ringer this week. This season. I mean, it started with that one time he had surgery and then like got back in the hospital the next, the, you know, later that day. But then, you know. I try to forget about that one. I, and, and yeah, no, that time he got his gallbladder removed and was like, I'm going to go to work in like a couple hours. The fuck? No, you were not. <laughs> the fu- and then now this, I mean, damn, it's been a season for Ethan. It's been a season. Yeah. The, yeah. It's been a season. So take us through Ethan. Okay. So Ethan is waiting for Archer atop the parking garage so they can like hash out their issues before they get into the job, which I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> Did you think Archer was going to shoot him? No. Not at all, even though we knew the preview? No. Oh, okay. I knew Ethan was going to be shot. I didn't think it was going to be by Archer. Oh, I, the minute I saw them, like, him, him meet him on the garage, I was like, oh, homeboy's carrying a gun. Like, it's going down. But no, I was the wrong. Only reason, the only reason I said that is, well, I knew because, or I kind of figured it wasn't, was because the episode description said something about, like, an old patient of Ethan and Archer's. And so I kind of figured it had to do... It wasn't going to be Archer, at least. Let's put it that way. Um, But anyway, so Ethan is telling, you know, he's like, the story that Archer told that girl from last week was problematic, which of course it was, but it's obviously one of the least problematic things he's done. (laughs) So yeah, Ethan's just like, we're having a bunch of issues. Um, It's just, yeah. In case you don't remember the story from last week, there was an 18-year-old girl who had, I think, a form of brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And Archer told her a story about how he was trapped when he was in combat and, like, he had to move out of the stairwell to make the situation better. And then he was like, oh, no, I got that from my veteran support group. That was the least problematic of anything he's done. Yeah. yeah. So then kind of out of nowhere, all of a sudden, the appendix guy, appendicitis guy who believed we were in some like simulation and he took a pill and he, you know, he was, had some things going on. Um, He shows back up and he's confronting Ethan and Archer in the parking lot. And then he has the gun, of course. And so then he ends up shooting Ethan. Casual. He wanted to shoot Archer, but Ethan, of course, is the hero and pushes Archer out of the way and takes the bullet for him. That's pretty classic Ethan, no? Yeah. So then Ethan, they realize, oh, shit, Ethan's been shot. And Goodwin shows up out of nowhere, driving a Tesla, because of course she does. <laughs> what do you think about that? Does that, like, like about Goodwin's char- car choice, does that make sense? Or do you think she would, like, drive something different? Or I think that makes sense. That, that, that's, a, that's a total Goodwin move, to drive a Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, they end up, you know, calling for backup. They're, like, going into the ED full speed ahead. So... Will, Archer, and April are all the people working on Ethan, which it's just, it is not go well. From it's the minute they, 
From the minute he gets wheeled in, it is not going well. No. So this is kind of a scenario of like, I think there's been too many cooks in the kitchen because Archer is trying to dictate what he thinks is best. And then you've got Will and April over here being like, no, that's not really what's best for Ethan. It's just, it's not, it's not going well. But Archer's also being a fucking asshole too. And I get it. Like, I think somewhere I tweeted this yet last night. I think somewhere deep down, Archer really does care about Ethan. Like, I think somewhere all of this is coming from like a place of caring. Mm -hmm. But he's going about it all the wrong way. Completely wrong. But I think their history definitely shows in this episode. Because you remember when, when appendicitis guy rolls up, both of them are like, no, put the gun on me. Put the gun on me. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's just kind of instinctual that, you know, they've got so much history together that they they do both care for each other and it runs pretty deep. Yeah. And they've been through a lot. I mean, you don't go through, you know, you don't go to war with someone and not, you know. Yeah, presumably. Have that bond. Yeah. So, anyway. So, Archer is insisting on doing the chest tube, but Will's like, no, I can do the chest tube. Like, why are you trying to overstep this? And then... Of course, Archer is insistent on, after they get a CT, Archer's insistent on taking Ethan to surgery. But of course, like, the bullet is just chilling near his spinal cord, like, anyway. Yeah, they kind of gloss over that, like, this whole time that, hey, there's a bullet chilling on his spinal cord, but no, let's focus on whiny-ass Dr. Archer over here in the corner. But BT-dubs, this bullet's chilling on his spinal cord. Yeah, but just, I mean, literally, just the way Archer is talking to Will throughout all of this, it's just, it's so bad. It's so cringy. It's so demeaning. It, it It's bad. Wait, wait. So so you agree this is cringy? Mm-hmm. So does this mean you're temporarily part of the Will Halstead defense squad? I mean, for two seconds, sure. Come to the dark side, Bryna. Yeah, no. I don't know. If anyone is, let's put it this way. If anyone is not on the Will Halston defense squad in this moment, I don't know what's wrong with you. (laughs) Because if you can defend Archer, okay. This is what bothers me about him, though, is that the minute that Archer can't get what he wants, he starts hitting below the belt. Mm -hmm. That he's like, you had the audacity to, like, contradict me. Well, let me tell you all of the things that are wrong with you. Okay, I didn't realize we were in sixth grade. Right. Well, and then there's that moment, too, when April starts to back up Will, and Archer's like, you're the one to judge, and it's like, fuck you! I hate this guy. I hate him so much. Fuck you. You know what's crazy to me, though, is when I was talking with Jeff and Steve, they were like, yeah, I think we'll, like, put, you know, I think everyone will be, like, closer to the, like, you know, not defending Archer, but, like, closer to feeling, like, somewhat decent about Archer in this episode, and I was like, no! No! After I watched this, I was like, no, that's not how I feel at all. Nope, not a. In fact, I think this made me hate him even more. Uh-huh. So anyway, so Will and April are like, oh, no, but like you can't take him to surgery. Actually, that's a neurosurgeon's decision. And Archer's just like, fine, whatever. Fuck that. <laughs> so then Dr. Abrams comes in. Thank God. And I mean, I just love when Dr. Abrams shows up. Because he is the best. I, I don't want to like pit characters against each other, but if you were to ask me who the most underrated character is on Chicago Med, I would either say it's Lannick or Abrams, and I think Abrams might win. I think Abrams would win, but Lannick is also up there. Lannick's also up there, but Abrams, Lannick oh man. 
Doris is two, but yeah, I think they've had to do a top three, but I think Abrams wins for sure. Abrams, like his sarcastic inner monologue, like is him. That that's that's what he speaks, and I love him for that. Yeah. So, so anyway, Abrams comes in and is literally trying to like say words, and Archer just keeps interrupting him, and it's just like, shut the fuck up, let the man speak. <laughs> I love how he's like, maybe I should have gone home. <laughs> Yes, you probably should have at this point because Archer's not going to let you get any other words in. But anyway, they end up coming to the decision to do surgery in the hybrid OR. And then, and that's going fine or whatever. And then Archer's like, we should do this procedure that would clean up the bone fragments too. And it's just like, just let them do the procedure first. And then if they have time or feel like it's okay to do the second procedure, then do the second procedure. But also, you're not the fucking neurosurgeon. You're a trauma surgeon. Right. Stay in your lane, bro, to quote what's-his-face from The Bachelor. <laughs> um, but Archer just basically kind of at this point is almost bullies Abrams into doing that procedure. And it's like, oh my God. That scares me a little bit that he was able to make Abrams of all people doubt himself. Yeah, well, and at one point he even says something like, oh, you're like not confident in your abilities. And Abrams is like, no, I've like never been, you never, you will never meet anyone more confident than me. I'm just like, fuck you. Well, no, at that point, I'm like, no, you, you, you can, you can have some ego and that, that's fine, Abrams. That's fine. But, you know, no, I was talking about like, Archer, just oh like, yeah, like just fuck you. That, that's like um yeah yeah like no get out of here Archer. Like what's your claim to fame? Let's see you do some brain surgery, but actually not because you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. So while this is all going on, Will is watching from the gallery, and then of course Sabina comes in because she hears about Ethan, mm-hmm. and you know she's concerned. And My test partner. Anyway, we'll get there in a second, I guess. <laughs> I love them but Will is like Sabina are talking and then Will is trying to communicate with Archer and literally at one point Archer turns off the intercom mic so that he doesn't have to hear Will talk and I was like shut up like I just can't stand him I know that we've all wanted to be able to do that to Will at some point or another in the past six seasons but like now is not the time not the time no anyway so Sabina gets pulled away. You know, we'll talk about that in a second. But so again, they're doing this second procedure now to clean up the, all the bone fragments and Ethan's numbers start tanking. And Archer, again, is trying to tell Abrams what to do. And Abrams is all like, yeah, 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 I know. Um, and Ethan gets really close to coding, like really close. Real close. But they save the day. And of course they do, because of course they do. Um, I did like Will calling play-by-play play on the surgery like it was sports. He's like, yeah, they've got to do this. He's going to code any minute. Like, yeah, that was good. But yes. To Ethan... nobody but Sabina because they turned the intercom off. <sighs> Fucking Archer. Anyway. So Ethan wakes up and who other than April is by his side? Mm. Ethan, ever since you and I broke up, I've tried really, really hard to move on from us. But seeing you brought in this morning on that gurney, everything just came back to me. So much I love you. This is sweet. 
It's sweet, but it's not closure. No, I guess it's not. I guess it's open to interpretation, right? I would, I would honestly, I, we've talked about this before. I'm personally not a fan of Chexton. That's not a relationship that does it for me. Mm-hmm. But if I were a Chexton sex toy fan, I would not be okay. I, I mean, I would, I guess, enjoy the moment and know, be, take solace in the fact that they will always have love for each other. Mm-hmm. But, and like, even as a non-Chexton fan, like I can appreciate that, but it feels like they were kind of almost setting them up to get back together. And then now Yaya's leaving and it kind of feels weird. Yeah, I, I see that. That's valid. I think, I think since I, since we all know that Yaya's leaving, I was able to kind of fill in that white space myself and just say, okay, well, this is a, this is a good closure because it just says that like, I will always care about you. I don't know. It is like, it kind of almost felt like they were trying to set it up. as like they were getting back together and then, they did obviously yeah yeah is leaving so they're not washed yeah yeah i don't know i don't know just it it was sweet that april was willing to kind of confess that to him and just be like you know i still love you i still care about you like even though we had a lot of shit happen between us you know of course i don't want to see you get shot yeah yeah i mean like i said i i do think even as like a non-checks in person like i thought this was really sweet but it kind of did rub me the wrong way because I felt like they were setting up. And again, I, I can, I understand they didn't know that Yaya was leaving clearly when they wrote this, mm-hmm. but you know, anyway. So then Goodwin decides to call Archer into the office, into her office. And she's complimenting him on, you know, how he handled Ethan's surgery and blah, 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 blah. And then homegirl decides to make Archer. Yes, I said that right. Archer, the interim chief of the ED until Ethan is back on his feet. No. I know. No, I don't want it. I know. It's like that gif, that Michael Scott gif, like, no, 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 <laughs> no, do not know. No. Yeah. I did not I, sign up for this. I don't want that. Where's my receipt? I would like a return. Don't like it. No. I don't like it unless like kind of we were talking about this last week unless Archer does some kind of miraculous 180 I'm so over him same so over him and I I mean clearly he's going to be sticking around next season but I'm so over it so there was a split second in rewatching this where I think they were trying to drive home the point of you know how he you know how he had oversedated the uh, appendicitis Mm -hmm. guy right I think they were trying to drive home the point that, you know, if they did the spinal fusion and they removed the bone fragments, that it would be a longer recovery, trying to imply that like he kind of pushed for this so that he could take Ethan's position. Ooh, interesting. I'll have to go back. I didn't take it that way, but Mm -hmm. I definitely could see that. I would like to think that he's not that conniving, but really nothing would surprise me on Chicago Med. I know. I like, I just want to know why. Like, I want to know what motivates him to be like this. Because he's a psychopath. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. I just, yeah. That's kind of my default reasoning for everything though. Why is this person like this? They're psychopaths. I just, this really bothered me and I'm not here for more Archer. I'm just not. No, I was, I was really hoping we'd get rid of him. But we're not. We didn't. No. No. So then Goodwin goes to visit Ethan and it was kind of this like very real and sobering moment because she makes a comment about how like, 
when she saw Ethan on the ground in the parking garage, she said her, her mind went immediately to the thought that he was a victim of a hate crime. That's chilling. Mm-hmm. Especially in, you know, just today's reality. It's just... Yeah. 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 And um, she's just like, you need to heal. And he's like, you know, we all do. And it's just, it's a very nice moment between the two of them. It is, yeah. And and Will does like the Dean Winchester single man tear where like one tear like rolls down his cheek. It's just, it's a sweet moment. It's a sweet Maybe moment. Ethan. Did I say Will? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Will Halstead yeah. Defense Squad. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I meant Ethan. So yeah, no, it's a super sweet moment. Yeah. It's like, I, like I felt good about ending on that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, okay. This is the thing with this episode is that towards the end, every single scene, I was like, okay, that's it, right? No, there's another scene. Okay, that's it, right? No, no, there's, there's another scene. We're still doing, okay, we're still doing this. It, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the best episode. No. No. But anyway, so we did, of course, have some listener thoughts. Um, Allie said, I'm not sure what they're going for with Chex and even that April's leaving. That seemed warm my heart, but it also felt a little sudden and definitely didn't help set up her departure. Also, she suddenly, or she got into the practitioner program at med, so she's just going to be around the hospital, but not on the show. I'm confused. Right. Which we'll get to in one second, but yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. Yeah. So Haley G said, no one seemed to really care about Ethan getting shot except for Will and April. Everyone else just kind of went about going back to work. I wish they would have made Ethan getting shot the sole focus of the episode with the Manstead stuff sprinkled in. The stakes would have felt bigger. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) She also said, hey, Gina, do you want to go halves on a Venmo for Will to punch Archer in the face? I was waiting for it, but it never came. (laughs) Um, Should we, I think we should do that is we should kind of take bets on like what character is going to punch Archer in the face. I'm going to go with Ethan. I'm going with Ethan. Should we guess by like by which episode? I think we'll have to do that closer. We'll save that for our wish list episode. Okay. Because then we'll have a better idea of, you know, timelines and things like that. But well, we'll just start a pool of like which character is going to punch him and by which episode. I'm taking my bets on Ethan first, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. So that is Ethan. I'm glad he's okay though. Like, you know, he drives us crazy, but also like, I don't want you to get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I do really like Ethan and I think this has been definitely a journey of a season for him. Um, but yeah, I didn't want him to see him get shot. That's no, for sure. Absolutely not. So Miss Maggie. Oh, Maggie. Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Maggie. Let's just give you a quick refresher. Maggie deserves the world. Just always. Maggie deserves the world. That's that's just the motto. We probably need to make some sort of merch with that. But she deserves the world. Okay, so we start the episode. Ben catches Maggie looking at Vanessa. So Ben knows what's up. Ben knows that Vanessa's her daughter. And she's just like yeah it's Vanessa's last day and Ben's like you can't tell her like you know that you can't tell her and she's like yeah I know whatever how convenient it turns out that out of this med student program that they're doing that they're keeping one person to stick around and do I really don't know what to be a doctor as a med student I don't know to do rotations I think is what they said sure but guess what it's Vanessa because of course because of course because of course what happened to her character on All-American did she like leave um i haven't really been watching this season so if she's shown up this season i don't know but last i mean she broke up with spencer she and spencer used to be together oh 
Okay. That was his like ex girlfriend from um Crenshaw? War. What? Yeah. Was it Crenshaw? Is that where he's from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. um if she's popped up this season, I don't know. I kind of I need to catch up. Okay. So yeah, Vanessa's sticking around the ED. Um uh, and Goodwin just straight up is like, so she doesn't know, right? And Maggie's like, no, she goes, good. Like, I'm counting on your professionalism to treat her like any other med student. No favoritism, no special treatment. Goodwin, like, you're just kind of setting Maggie up to be another Natalie at this point. I mean, but the thing is, though, my first reaction when I heard that was like, okay, so that's going to last for how long? Right. Right. Maggie's going to slip. I want Maggie to have that because Maggie, if that's what Maggie wants, I want Maggie to get what she wants. But, like she has she didn't treat Vanessa right you know in her first day on the job Maggie almost fucked up Vanessa's career yeah so like I get and Goodwin knows that Mm -hmm. so I get it I didn't think it was that you know I didn't think it was that harsh right so um Vanessa's like standing in a circle Lannix there there's a bunch of other people and they're just like congratulations like I'm so glad you're sticking around and you know that's really nice I I, you know that'll be cool but um Vanessa tells Maggie that they need to talk after work so they talk but it's not great it wasn't difficult for me to find out who you were oh Vanessa I've worked my whole life to get where I am if anybody thought I was accepted here just because I'm your daughter I know that was entirely on your own merit, honestly. I had nothing to do with it. I hope so. Because I'm not going to give up this opportunity. You shouldn't. There's no reason to. I don't want anyone to know about us. Of course, then. They won't. <laughs> What did you want, Maggie? I just... I wanted to meet you. It wasn't right. You coming into my life like this, it... It just wasn't right. I know, I... Oh, my heart breaks for Maggie. Like, Vanessa's so right, but also I feel so, so bad for her. No, that's exactly how I feel. I was like, Vanessa is so spot on, but also like, I just, my heart. I know. I just, I feel so bad for her. Cause like, you know, like coming off of the Augie thing, like the last thing she, she wanted to find her daughter for acceptance, not rejection for like, you know, for the, the same love and affection she was going to get from Augie. And she got the exact opposite. I just feel so bad for her. Yeah. But I also understand Vanessa's point too, is that Vanessa, you know, a, had the chance had the opportunities to search out for maggie mm. and she didn't she didn't want to know Maggie. you know she didn't want to know her birth mom yeah and now that she's met her and it's kind of put her in this awkward position of like hey i guess we have there potentially could be some favoritism but like i've worked my ass off to get here and like i don't want it to be seen like i got special treatment right right and, and that i mean it, it was inappropriate of maggie to just insert herself in vanessa's life like that yeah, like I think she should have, you know, she should have been upfront about it and then it would have potentially been a different situation. But yeah, I don't think the hiding it either helped. No, but okay. also I guess, I guess Vanessa's going to stick around. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We will see. So 
Allie said, poor Maggie. I get why Vanessa was mad at her, but you could tell how heartbroken she was. I get the feeling that Maggie was thinking of leaving to get out of Vanessa's way. We know Maggie's a selfless character and would sacrifice anything for her kids, including her own happiness. While I think it would be in character for her to leave, I doubt Ned would have a third female character leave next season. And I love Maggie, so I hope she stays. I wonder if we'll see more of Vanessa and how that would play out. Okay, first of all, I'm gonna knock on wood. Maggie Lockwood is just gonna stay at Ned forever because Maggie, the same way that Maggie like runs the ED, she, you know, she, everything would be chaos without her. One Chicago mm-hmm. would be chaos without her. So Maggie stays. That's, that's my, that's my opinion. But I do. I feel 100%. bad for her. Yeah. I feel bad for her. Poor Max. Yeah. So moving into Dr. Charles. Okay. I'll be honest with you on this one. I have no clue what the fuck happened. Me either. I don't care. and like honestly i that's how like insignificant this was i don't care it was really weird and i was like can we get to the point you Um, know what honestly though i honestly almost feel like this week's storyline and his storyline from last week should have been switched like i felt like this had nothing to do with anything dr charles has been up to this season it didn't have revolver on anna and it didn't revolve around ramona yeah. Like, I feel like if they had almost concluded the Ramona stuff this week, it would have felt a lot more impactful. Yeah, I agree with that. That would have been a lot and better. more of like a finale type storyline. A lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was like, it felt like another random case of the week and I just didn't care. Same. I didn't care. Same. Same. So, I mean, we can wrap it up in a sentence if you want. Sure. Okay. So the psych, there's a psych patient. He's transferred to the ED. He's Russian. And he was apparently, he attacked his landlord. He got triggered. He saw a rat. And so Dr. Lenkov is brought in. He's another doctor at Med. He's Russian. And he is just kind of evading Dr. Charles every time he asks. He's like, so what's up with these, you know, what is he saying? What's up with these psychiatric hospitals that he's talking about? And every time he brings it up, he's just like, peace. I can't talk about this. So what we find out, because every time Dr. Lenkov gets triggered so badly that he basically drinks himself into being a patient. And what we find out is that the Russian psychiatric hospital he was in was never really a psychiatric hospital. So psychiatric hospitals in Russia in 1980, it was really code for a prison where they would house political dissidents, people who would speak out against the Russian government. And so they would come up with a phony diagnosis of sluggish schizophrenia and put them in air quotes, psychiatric hospitals, which were really prisons. And so that is why the rat triggered him is because it was something he would see when he was in the prison and it made him think he was back there. So I think the whole full circle about this is that they talk about the Soviet Union and they talk about being delusional and how Dr. Lenkov says, you know, we were basically all under the delusion that the Soviet government was like the perfect form of government. We were all under that delusion. And so what I think happens, which I'm really not sure, is that Dr. Charles is like, well, what if we flip it and we tell him like, hey, you're safe here? Like, or hey, the Russians were wrong. I'm really not sure which way they took this for closure. Don't know. Don't yeah. care. No idea. No clue. 
I will say though, the one thing, and I don't know, I got a, not a lot of shit, but I said last night when I was tweeting, I said, oh, because they were talking about how they needed a translator and that's why they bring in Dr. Lenkov. And I said, oh, if only Otis was, was here. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and everyone was like, why did you say that? And why did like, you no. say that? But it's true. But it's true. But the storyline would have been 10 times better if Otis was around. Oh, R.I.P. Otis. R.I.P. I know. <laughs> Probably would have made a lot more sense if Otis was still around. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think that's the closure is that they're able to connect and like flip the delusion around. But really, I'm not sure. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. So Dr. Charles, I think this is last up, right? We've got April. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. got April. Last up. Um, and this is quick and to the point. So uh, Brenna, take it away. Yeah, so basically, you know, last week she ended up missing her nurse practitioner program interview at Med because they were wrapped up in the case. So she got it rescheduled and they're like, yeah, everything's great. Um, You know, you got all these, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everything's great. But you did get like one kind of not that great recommendation from a surgeon. And April's just like, okay, whatever. And they're like, yeah, we have everything we need. You know, we'll call you back. And April's like, okay, cool. Or to assume it's Archer, I think a lot of people on the internet were like, well, what if it's not Archer? I still think it's Archer. I mean, do we know any other trauma surgeons at Med? Not anymore. Yeah, you asked me about trauma surgeons, and the first person I think of is Owen Hunt, and he's not on the show. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Archer's crap. But after yeah. all that, it doesn't matter, because later on in the episode, we found out that April got in, because of course she did. I had no doubt that she would. April got in our girl but again like what we were talking about earlier she got into chicago meds nurse practitioner program but yaya is leaving the show yeah i don't get it i don't get it either uh, i'm i'm who said it before that it would have made more sense for her to go where noah was uh casey i think yeah that would have made a lot more sense yeah i just yeah unless they're maybe leaving the possibility open for her to like drop in and drop out drop out as she pleases but also she's heading up a pilot on fox she's not gonna have time for that right i was gonna say completely different network like it's not yeah yeah not shooting in chicago it'd be different if they said oh yeah they're both shows are shooting in la then maybe i could believe it yeah but this shoots in chicago it's not happening not happening no but god that it just it's such a this this finale just left something to be desired oh yeah Yeah. like it doesn't feel like we spent our last hours with Natalie in April. Mm-mm. Nope. No, it just was kind of like, okay. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because we know that they're leaving. I don't know if it's because these storylines have felt kind of predictable for the last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, if it's a combination, I don't know. But yeah, I was not that thrilled with this one. Yeah, just, 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 I'm trying to think if there's anything else to say about it. There's just not. It was just kind of like, okay. 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 It was just fine. Yeah. yeah. It was fine. Maybe it was like the, they, they were trying to start us off like gradually. They were like, okay, we're going to start you off with like an easy one and then it's going to get more dramatic and more dramatic and more dramatic. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, man. All right. Any other thoughts on med? No. It's fire time yeah and i i know brenna is chomping at the bit for this one because <laughs> we're gonna start it off with the bretties so oh man just just go go oh, do the thing 
It made me so happy. That's all I gotta say. We'll get there. But anyway, so the episode opens with what we knew, because Derek told us that it opens with Casey staring at the watch that he got from his uncle. And Severide comes out, and they're talking about it, and Casey's like, yeah, I still don't really know what I'm going to do with it. He's like, I think this is a sign that, like, I should start living, because my uncle was just a sad old man, and I don't want to end up like that. And so... You know, he and Severide keep talking and he tells Severide that he finally told Brett how he feels. But, of course, he hasn't heard anything back from her yet. So he's just going to keep waiting. So Casey walks into shift and, of course, first thing he's doing is looking for Brett and she is nowhere to be found. And, like, even at the morning briefing, she walks in late and the first thing he does is spot her out. And he, like, goes to try to talk to her. But, of course... They get interrupted by those damn bells. Those damn bells. Hashtag that. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. So they get called out to a scene where this literally makes no sense, but a <laughs> seagull hit a motorcyclist and like did enough damage where he like lost a bunch of teeth. And I don't know. I still don't get it. Okay. Wait. So let's think about this though. I think from like a physics standpoint, this can work. Okay. So if you got your motorcycle guy and he's going this way at like a fast rate of speed, your seagull comes in and like hits him right in the face. I think I can see how that would happen. It just, I don't know. You, like, see the dead seagull sitting there on the, like, road, and I'm like, what the fuck? Do you ever, have you ever heard, like, the urban legends about dropping a penny off the Empire State Building? No. So, like, if you, they say, like, if you were to drop a penny off the top of the Empire State Building, that it could kill somebody down below because it's so high up that it gains so much, like, speed and momentum and, like, science-y shit that, you know, whatever, <laughs> that by the time it comes down there, it feels like it's, like, a giant weight hitting somebody in the head. So, as a matter of science, which I do not work in and have not taken a class in since college, I could see it happening. Okay. Yeah, that's it just science seems like, for the It night. seems like a really random, but anyway. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Anyway, so of course they're trying to work on the motorcyclist and Brent is like very flustered and off of her game, which is not like her at all. And of course, who gets her mind back on track other than Casey? He literally just, he like whispers to her. He's like, Brett, like forget about everything else, like focus. And then she's like snapped out of it and she's back on her shit. And yeah. So of course, after he, he like, after this happens, like he knows, like she's avoiding him. She's clearly avoiding him. Mm-hmm. So later on, Casey is in his office, like literally just like twiddling his thumbs, waiting for her to get back so they can talk. And meanwhile, Brett is over at med like overstocking the ambo supplies because she doesn't want to go back to the house to talk <laughs> but i love that violet has her figured out so much and she's like well i have something i could say but i don't know if i should overstep yet and brett's like oh sure and then we get this great speech that derek was teasing to us last week my mom the aforementioned birthday yes she uses the word good to describe people and it's an underrated word, if you ask me, because it gets used so often. But to my mom, good is the highest compliment. He's a good man, she'd say about my father. And in that one word, she meant he had honor. She meant he was loyal. She meant he was brave. Now, I haven't spent a ton of time at 51 yet, but I can tell you this. You and Casey, you are both 
good. This was so cute. It was so cute. I loved it. I did too. And I love that Violet, they've like, I mean, it's only been a few episodes, but I love that Brett and Violet have like developed this friendship. Um, and it's just, it's so fun. I I really like this speech. Yeah, this was really, really, really sweet. I, I think that was a really nice pep talk of her. So I enjoyed that. I'm just, I mean, I think I'm a little surprised that like Brett was so flustered by the Casey situation that it affected her on a call. But yeah, that was the only thing that honestly, I wasn't surprised that she felt so flustered about hit what he said. Yeah. Because to her, he's always felt unreachable and like he's been out of reach this whole time. Yeah. And so the fact that he opened up and said that she had asked to make sure that that's what he actually said like that part isn't what bothered me but it it did honestly feel a little bit out of character for her to be so flustered and you know that came out as a sneak peek that was like the first fire sneak peek that came out yeah and twitter like freaked out they were like why is she so flustered is she the one that has to do with the mysterious stranger is that why she's so flustered there were all these theories going around and yeah it just felt so you know that was the only like part that kind of bothered me yeah a little bit, but, but, but yeah, yeah, Violet's pep talk was, was solid. Yeah. So they finally, Brett and Casey, like, finally face each other in the hall. And it looks like they're about to talk. But before they can even say one word, those damn bells go off again. <gasps> I know. Curse them. Just curse those fucking bells. <laughs> um, so Brett and Violet get called to this creepy, creepy house with, like, hundreds and hundreds of dolls. And it's a wife and husband, and the husband got hurt building cabinet for the dolls, and <laughs> it's just, it's a little weird. But the wife is going on about how, you know, her husband is the perfect person for her, and she didn't think she'd ever settle down, but then she met her husband, and blah, blah, blah. She's going on and on and then tell the story. And she's like, I mean, you know, she's like, I mean, you know, when you know, you know, right? And meanwhile, you can see, like, Brett is thinking about her and Casey in this whole situation. It is also kind of funny, though, that, like, the thing that kind of is, like, the final kicker towards Brett, like, saying something to Casey is (laughs) a creepy house with dolls. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway. So it's the middle of the night and everyone's asleep, but like Casey is just pacing in his office. Like he cannot sleep. He is still so worried that Brett hasn't said anything to him yet. But so he decides he's like, I'm going to go outside and just like think to myself because it's 1am and what else am I going to do? So he's outside and Brett comes up behind him and like pours her heart out to him and she's just like, we belong together. And then he like turns around and he's like, we do. And he, she's like, we're right for each other. And he's like, we are. And she's just like, when you know, you know, you do. And like, she literally is like, I'm in love with you. And he doesn't even really let her finish before he like kisses the crap out of her. And it's like the best thing ever. Oh my goodness. Matt Casey has rediscovered his game. He finally did. I just, yeah. Yeah. It was the best moment. It was a really, I really enjoyed that scene. I love that scene so much. It was good. It just felt so them and it it just, uh, yeah. Very sweet, very genuine, very honest. Yeah, it just, 
it felt like them and it felt like they finally got back to what they were and it just I don't know after all the shit that was season nine for them it just I don't know I just I loved every second of it and they just seemed both seemed so happy like they finally got what they both wanted right right so did this feel like a good payout to you or payoff oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. And now, okay, so get this. So then that scene happened literally all day and actually for a while because like, I had messages to a couple people, but literally earlier yesterday, I was messaging with Logan from Ladies Night at Molly's mm-hmm. and I told her and I said, I will be okay if, as long as I just need Sylvie to say that she's in love with him too and that for them to kiss and that's all I need and I will be okay through hiatus. Like that was like, that's all I need. And then this season happened and I was like, oh shit, Derek called me out and he was right to do this. I'm definitely going to watch this scene like 20 bajillion times. And I definitely have. But so that happened. I was like, okay, great. I was like, that's all I wanted. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Then everyone else is at Molly's and Stella's like, where's Casey? And everyone's like, I don't know. And she's like, speaking of which, like, Brett's not here either. (laughs) And meanwhile, we go back to Brett's place and they have this like ultra, ultra, ultra sexy time. And I was not expecting that (laughs) whatsoever. Okay. But I got to ask you this. What was your, how did you feel about the sexy time sequence? Did you dig it or were you just kind of like, uh... Oh, I loved every second of it. Okay. Okay. There, there was part of me where I was like, no, you didn't dig it. I, I wasn't crazy about it. Like the first couple of moments I was like, oh wow. Like chemistry, this is great. And then it just went on and on and on and on. And I was like, I need an adult. Like this is getting a little uncomfortable. This reminded me of a scene from family guy, which you're not going to know this reference, but there's a scene in family guy where like a character eats a piece of toffee and he's just like eating it and he's enjoying it. But then like they make the scene go for like uncomfortably long, just to like drive home the, the awkwardness of it. It was a little bit like that. But other than that, I'm totally happy about this. I see. No, I loved every minute of it to me. It felt so them. Like, it felt like, first of all, I was just surprised. Like, the first time I watched it, I was, I didn't even know. I mean, I understand what was happening, obviously. But I was just, like, so in shock because I didn't think we were going to get it that I was like, holy shit. And then, like, since I've rewatched it, again, 20 bajillion times, I don't even, I've lost track. But I just thought it felt so them, like it felt so right that like they were waiting all this time for it to happen and it's finally happening. And it felt like to me, I know, I know I've seen like some people say they didn't like the scene, whatever. I personally loved it, Mm -hmm. but to me, it felt like so sexy and playful, but also in just so sincere. And I think like, to me, it just felt so them and it felt like, I don't know. I just, I love, like they care so deeply about each other. And to me, it showed in the scene and I just I loved it I love the way it was shot like mm-hmm. the focus on the hands I just I don't know I loved every single thing about it. it yeah and you're you're right the way you describe them as a playful couple they're kind of quirky right they're a little like a little bit well, off like they had these moments too like they were like kind of flirting and at first I was like what were they doing like and then I was like oh shit they were kind of slow dancing in her living room yeah and then it like and then it like they go down the hall and like at first before they even she goes into her room he's like staring at her like damn like she's finally mine like Mm -hmm. I can't wait for that and then she like goes in the her room and she's like taking off her earrings and like as he's taking off her shirt 
she has like such a big smile on her face like this like damn like this is all i wanted and like it's finally happening and that, that's honestly to me like i love that they're just both so happy yeah i love that i love that and i i did see somebody tweet about that that they were like they're slow dancing in her living room and i like read it in the tune of that john mayer song and i was just like oh my god this is so sweet i love this so much but um i tweeted a couple weeks ago because you know when back when i was watching umbrella academy you know i was all like luther and allison trash i still am by the way but um i went down the rabbit hole of gifts and i you know i feel like there's nothing better than when a ship has just a straight up joyful moment, right? No drama, no angst, nothing. They're just straight up joyful, joyful, happy. They're living in the moment. So the moment that came to mind for me was when Luther and Allison are having their dance sequence and they're just smiling. Like and my favorite scene of theirs. So yeah. cute. And this is that moment for them where it's nothing but joy and happiness. I love that. I mean, it's three years of like pin up feelings and like, you know, whatever. And then really, especially this past year, I mean, they were so close in 902 and then it didn't happen. Right. And now, you know, it finally happens and it just, it feels so right. It, it really does. Yeah. I just, I loved every single second of it. It was good. It was really good. And again, the amount of times I've rewatched it since is like, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Derek called you out. Literally. And I'm rightfully so. He knew. <laughs> he knew. And I'm like, we, yeah, I just, he knew. And yeah, it's true. No shame. None. No shame. None. So, but, uh, yeah, take us through Casey. So Casey, of course, people had thoughts. I was getting like, literally it happened and I got so many like texts and DMs being like, Brian, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, but Casey said, finally, after three freaking years, I don't know what I was expecting from the love confession from Sylvie. That scene was just mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> I'm not a crier, but that scene had the waterworks flowing. Everything about that scene was perfect. And like Derek has said, I'll be watching it a hundred more times, probably more. As if it, that wasn't enough, we got a sexy time scene. I seriously forgot I was watching Chicago Fire for a minute because that was hot. I can't wait to see Bretzi as an official couple in season 10. I still can't believe that they're canon. Same. Yeah. Yeah, man. Bretzi is canon. Just like let that simmer for a second. It's about damn time. It's so. Uh, Brian, yeah. Bretzi is canon. I know. And I'm wearing my Bretzi shirt for the I occasion. But like, yeah, I just. It's so, yeah love it love it and i'll wait for season 10 i yeah <laughs> so Allie said bretzy was everything that confession slash kiss scene was pure perfection and felt like it was straight out of a romance novel or fanfic i thought that uh, i thought that would be it but then that sexy time scene damn that was some next level shit it low-key felt like a strip show not gonna lie <laughs> it was so surreal to see them finally together after so many seasons of angst Please do a Bretzy centric podcast episode during hiatus. All right, we'll just uh, we'll jot that down. Jot that down. We got the time now, so. Oh, we got plenty. Trust me, I am all on top of that. All the time, all the time. So cool. Any other notes on the Bretzies? No, but I just, I'm so happy. Happy Brenna. <laughs> Which sounds like crazy to say because it's just a freaking ship on a show. But I, it honestly, I, it, I'm so happy. No, it, it, it makes all the sense. So yeah, I'm so happy. It's good. That can, that, that whole scene where she's just like, you know, I'm in love with you. It's so, it's good. 
it's good. so good. And honestly, to me, like, yes, I have feelings about the last 10 minutes, which we're about to get to. <laughs> but to me, like, it honestly kind of overweighed that. And like, to me, fire almost felt like a good finale, even though I hate the last 10 minutes because of that. Like, I, I yeah, I love that stuff. So much. I love the Bretsy stuff so much. So, so good. Okay, so moving into our other favorite Chicago fire ship, Stellar Rides. Sweet baby Stellar Rides. And Cap. We got a little and bit of Cap, Cap this week. Yeah, yeah you so. had to throw Cap in there, too. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So we start this episode, and Sev, of course, tells his BFF Casey about the engagement first. Because, of course, I am so glad that they, like, finesse that detail. Because that's important. I, first of all, I love that he's like, I might have done something. Because, like, Casey asked him about it. He's like, I may have done something. um also there was i just love how far we've come because there was a gif set going around tumblr that was like started or this is where we started and it's like them arguing at each other and then it's like and this is where we're at now or something like that and it's obviously them hugging in this scene and i'm like damn we really have come a long way really really have yeah and i think right before like right when casey congratulates him he's like oh my god i'm so happy for you bro like he says bro or something and when he turns around and hugs stella i was hoping he was going to be like sis but not quite but it was a sweet sweet moment and i'm glad they told casey first yeah, it, it had to have been done. Had yeah. to. Perfect. Perfect. And then the way they tell the rest of the house. Oh my God, this is so sweet. So Seb's like reading off the, the spring cleaning list. And then he's like, okay, well, the person who's going to clean out the storage closet. And he pauses and then he goes, my fiance. And Everyone. like the pause. And then Cruz is like, what? And then everybody puts it together. Oh my God, it's so cute. It's so good. And my fiance will never get old. Like, it ever. really really won't there is a really cute like tiny moment and people caught this in the sneak peek boat when mouch turns to her and she laughs like the laugh she lets out is just so like organic and pure and it's so miranda too yeah it's yeah i love that oh my god so so good so good So then Squad is making lunch and Cap makes a comment. He just makes like a snide comment to Sev about how like, wow, like I thought, never thought I'd see the day that you'd settle down. And so Sev just turns and goes, when are you going to find a woman, Cap? And Cap says that he has a girlfriend. He's like, yeah, no, I, I have a girl. Her name's Maisie. And Squad roasts him. It's so good. Squad is just like, yeah, okay, she's invisible, whatever. Like she doesn't exist. And Cap's like, oh, okay, but like I have a girl. That's her name. Um, yeah, but squad roasting cap was pretty great. That was pretty funny. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sev pops into Casey's office and he asks like the question. We just cut right to the chase. And Casey's going to be his best man. I love it. I love this moment too. Didn't he say something like he was like, it goes without saying, but I'm still going to say it. Yeah. I love that so much. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. So yeah. Um, you know, Casey's like, yeah, of course I'll be the best man. Like, that's a stupid question. Duh. And Seb says, good. Like, you'll be planning a hell of a bachelor party. I want to end up on a roof with like Mike, Mike Tyson's tiger. So beware, like Kelly Severide wants to pretty much have like the hangover happiness, his bachelor party. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. That'll be interesting. Yeah. So then squad is sitting at the table. They overhear Cap's conversation and Cap says that he was talking to Maisie and to put them down as a maybe for Cruz and Chloe's baby shower because they're having a baby shower. Yeah, and Squat's still just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. He, she doesn't exist. Mm. So then Stella finds Severide on the apron floor later on that night. Hey, fiance. 
How long until that gets old? The day you say I do. <laughs> I, I um, love this house. When I get my lieutenant's placement, how am I ever going to find a house as good as this one? Not going to lie. It's going to be a tough search finding you the right house. But look, wherever you go, you'll take a piece of 51 with you. You'll plant it, and it'll grow. You're wonderful. You know that? I love you. Stella kid. I can't with them. I mean, dang, Severide. Like, it's funny to think that I don't think he would have ever said anything like this in the early seasons. And now this is stuff he says, like, all the time. Like, he just always knows the right thing to say. And it's just so good. It's so good. They're so cute. I love them so much. Like, they're just perfect. 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 So then the next shift, Maisie stops by to see Cap. And Squad is shook. She's gorgeous, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Squad is just like, holy shit, like she actually exists. Oh my God. Not only that, but she works at the NICU at Lakeshore. So just like jot that in the back of your mind because I bet that's going to come into play pretty soon. She's just like the perfect person. Yeah. Yeah. Minus the Lakeshore. Somehow she ended up with Cap. (laughs) We love Cap. I mean, we do, but I'm just saying, and that's what they're all thinking. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, she works in the NICU at Lakeshore. File that in the back of your head. That might come into play at some point. Who knows? But yeah, Cap has a woman and her name is Maisie. All right, cool, cool. So then we get the final call of the night. This call. Okay. Squad three gets called out to Navy Pier for a water rescue. This is a pure like diving rescue, which Mm -hmm. I didn't get the chance to like verify that, you know, squad units are just like fully certified. Like, I mean, isn't that a Coast Guard thing to like go out and be like, let's dive in the water and find people? Don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know either. But there's a boat that tipped over on Lake Michigan and there's one passenger who made it to shore, but the other one is still under. So all four of them are like, we let's go diving. This will be fun. Even though I think it's totally a Coast Guard thing, but okay. But Severide's like, all right, listen, I don't like the way this looks like 60 second search and then out the way we came. Like that's what we're doing. So just as Severide's about to be like, cool, 60 seconds is up. They hear some sort of like metal clanging. So of course we're in the last five minutes of the episode. So that makes all the sense in the world. So they get the guy, but all of them are out of air. And now they're just stuck in like an air pocket in this downed boat. So, of course, at this point, the boat tipped over and knocked something over, and now we've blocked their way out. So, the way this holding ends is that 81 and 61 are standing on the shore, and they're just like, where's squad three? Where's squad three? What's happening to squad? And nothing. And all the squad guys pretty much end the, end the episode, like, taking a breath and going underwater because they, they can't get out at all. So, that's just a mean cliffhanger. That's just mean. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be like one of them. Yeah. And now we got all four and I'm like, whoa, Derek, why? Just, just mean, you know? Yeah. Just, just, was that truly necessary? We got, why we got to do them like that? Why all four? Why any of them, first of all, but why all four of them? Yeah. Just not very nice. 
Mm-mm. Not very nice. No, not as traumatic as past finales, but also just just not nice. Mm-hmm. I still think the Mattress Factory might have been the most traumatic finale. It's a, yeah. Why all four? Why all four? All four of them are underwater for the next three months. Like, that's just not cool. Three months? It's four months. Fourth, June, July, August. Yeah, September. You're right. You're right. I can't it's like the end of September. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, what, how, do you, how do you feel about this? Do you all four come out? Here's what I want to say. I want to say yes, only because while we have... Well, obviously, it's possible for them to kill off anyone at any time. Mm-hmm. They just kind of killed off Otis, and I don't think they would kill someone off so soon. But maybe I that's- really hope not. Because if you don't want to count last season's finale, it's basically the last finale, true finale we had, they killed Otis. And yeah. I feel like that's too soon. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll definitely give you that. I did like how, I mean, because they kept showing Stella on, on the, at Navy Pier, right? And how, like, they were kind of zooming on her face. But she wasn't panicked. It wasn't anything like that. It was just kind of a, okay, I'm not going to panic yet. Like, Kelly's got this. Like, Kelly can get out of this. Well, you know, he, she wasn't panicked at all. She was just kind of reading the situation. So uh, I like how they made sure to highlight that. But, uh, you know, it was good. I have a question for you, though. Okay. Do, does this make you feel better or worse about the rumors going around? You mean the unsubstantiated rumor on some random celebrity gossip Instagram? Well, the rumors going around and kind of our knowledge that there are certain actors' contracts that are up. And I don't want well... I will just say, honestly, I don't feel as bad about it as I did like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever that was. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. Like, obviously, I'm still being cautious because it's the D word and anything could have, they could release news anytime. Um, The D word in this instance stands for so many things. I know. And by the D word, I meant the one that rhymes with Edline, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm like the D word could be death, it could be Derek, it could be deadline, it could be you know. I meant deadline. Yeah. But obviously, I'm like trying to be cautious because they can obviously swipe in at any minute. Um, but I feel better about it than I did like two or three weeks ago when we were just texting, be like, he's leaving, right? Fuck, he's gone. Like I yeah. don't know what to do with my life anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. I feel better. I feel a lot better about it after that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, we'll see. We'll see. You know, when Sophia left, it was like two weeks after the season finale. So just, just. I didn't. I, didn't, I just said I'm cautious. I'm being no, cautious. I, you know, I'm just, I'm being real. You know, it, it's a, it's a prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Anyway. Okay. Christine said, I do admire Stella's composure and calmness as they're looking out at the sinking boat at the end. Just another example of why she's a great leader. My heart was breaking for her, though. You could see the fear in her eyes, even if she wasn't outwardly expressing it. I didn't even take it as fear. I just took it as like, we're just going to read the situation. Let's just see what's going on. I took it as a little bit of fear, but I agree with Christine. Like, she's so calm and composed and, you know. Um, Casey said, okay, that was just mean. <laughs> I thought maybe we wouldn't know the fate of one member of Squad 3, but all four, I was not emotionally prepared for that. 
Severide cannot leave Stella, and Cruz cannot leave Chloe and their baby, and Tony is so underrated, and he can't leave either. Let's not forget Cap and Maisie. Was anyone actually, anyone else actually shocked that she was real? This was, this is going to be a long summer hiatus for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Leanza said, I can't explain my deeper thoughts and feelings from the finales last night, so I will campaign for my biggest season 10 want. A bottle episode about Stella and Severide's bachelor and bachelorette parties. If Kelly's request to have his party on the roof with Mike Tyson's tiger is any indication, we are in for a wild time. I love that suggestion so much. I do too. I love it so much. I would be up for amazing bottle episodes. Somebody please go write the fic like please please amazing amazing because yeah like Severide wants the hangover what is Stella's bachelorette like I feel like Stella's is like the complete opposite like way more calm cool collected not that it won't be fun and badass because it will but it is not that you think calm calmer than that calmer than Mike Tyson's tiger I could totally see male strippers and like going crazy and like Kylie and Brett are in the corner just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Kylie's not even old enough for that. We don't know how old Kylie is. She's in high school? I don't know. I don't know. But I could totally see Stella having like a totally raucous bachelorette party. But see, I I don't know. I feel like to me it's the opposite. But I also would have thought Severide would have been over the like that type of shit but who knows yeah anyway um Haley g said i think it's cap that doesn't come out of alive <gasps> i just no i know no she said every time when chicago introduces a new romantic partner or family member something always goes wrong why else would they wait so long to introduce her also do we think cruz's baby comes early because chloe is in distress because of the quad the squad situation and cap's girlfriend has to work on him being a nicu nurse uh who knows but that would mean they have to go to lakeshore and i doubt they're going to lakeshore i doubt they're going to lakeshore it, but but the silver lining is if they do have to go to lakeshore it's probably going to be a pretty uneventful birth meaning the baby's going to be safe hopefully yeah I yeah, I don't, I hope nobody dies. I definitely don't want Caps. I don't want any of them to die. No, no, no. We just did that with Otis. Like none of that, please. Yeah. No. Okay, so Allie sent us a message that is quite literally all caps. All caps. Okay, so the first part of this says, Derek, what the fuck? <laughs> Those last 10 minutes had my stress levels maxed out. It's a miracle I didn't have a heart attack. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, she said, I swear if they aren't all wrapped up in warm blankets at the back of the Ambo within the first five minutes of the premiere. Severide better make it out alive because he's got a fiance now, damn it, and we need a Stellaride wedding. Cruz can't die because he needs to meet his baby, and what did Cap and Tony ever do to you? <laughs> ever do to you, Derek, yeah. Yeah, accurate, all of it. But yeah. actually, though. Yeah, that was just, it was just a mean cliffhanger. Like, that was just mean. So mean. I want to know what the conversation was in the Zoom in, in, in the Zoom room. Like, did they just all get on one day and be like, hey, I had this great idea overnight. Let's just drown squad. Seriously. Like, what? I will say, though, as much as I hated these last 10 minutes, I thought they were 
amazing in terms of like the cinematography and just all the prep that went into it and now understanding why they had to write this back in January January. so they can build the tank Mm -hmm. you know so they could film underwater like I thought all of that stuff I mean and just props to the crew and to you know Taylor and Joe and Randy and Tony for like all the filming stuff like it I mean it looked amazing it really did I hated (laughs) every second of it but it was amazing yeah, it did look really cool. And the pictures they posted after the fact, I was like, wow, that looks like it was a pretty fun day at work. Yeah, and just like all the technology stuff that had to go into it. It looks amazing. Yeah. It looked so good. I hated it, but it was awesome. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Love it. I mean, don't love it, but love it. Yeah. Love the, the hard work that goes into it. So, yeah. All right, next up, we've got our favorite new trio that we can't decide on a trio name for but we've got Ritter, Gallo, and Violet. I love them. <laughs> I love them so much. So much. So, they're so perfect. So Take it away, Brenna. Okay, so Ritter overhears like Herman and Mounts talking in on the way to shift and they're talking about Molly's and Ritter says that he needs to make some extra money because he and Eric are apparently going on a trip to Europe this summer, which I love. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't want to attend bar because he sucks at it which is fair. So we're in the shift, middle shift, and Gallo is on this like homemade pizza kick and he's working on making them and Violet offers to be his taster. So Gallo takes this opportunity to ask her about the other night. Cause if you remember last week, they shared a kiss at Molly's, but she turns him down because she found out about Gallo and Mackie. And she's like, I just, I clear you got a thing with, you know, who, whichever paramedic you're working with. So I'm going to take myself out of that. Little harsh, Violet, little harsh. I know. Yeah. I know. I think honestly, though, I think obviously we all know that Violet puts on this front with Gallo, but she cares a lot deeper about him than she lets on. And I think it just probably hurt. Yeah. Feelings. And I think she's trying to like protect herself. Mm -hmm. Um, but okay, we have to talk about this Gallo homemade pizza thing. I have to know if you were to make homemade pizzas with Gallo, what toppings would you put on your pizza? I am so boring, and I'm going to disappoint a lot of people when I say this, but I'm a straight up cheese person. I'm very and boring. And I knew that about you because I, I've eaten pizza with you before. So I knew that. But um, yeah, I'm pretty plain too. To me, pep- pizza is pepperoni pizza, and that is it. <laughs> yeah, you and Charlie have that in common. My boyfriend is all about the pepperoni. It is just straight up pepperoni, nothing else. Otherwise, that to me is not pizza. Pizza to me is like pepperoni and cheese pizza. That's it. Violet strikes me as the kind of person who loves spicy food. Like she probably decks it out with like jalapenos and like whatever spicy stuff she can find. I, yeah. Yeah. She strikes me as that I type. I can see that. Gallo. Gallo puts. Like pretty standard. Gallo puts pineapple on pizza. You think? You think? I could see it. Every now and then, maybe. Maybe. And Ritter? I feel like Ritter may be the standard one. Yeah. Like pretty standard. <laughs> Welcome to Pizza Chat at Molly's. Yeah. Um, but so Violet goes in the briefing room and she's like working on something. And so Ritter goes and finds her and like he tries to back up Gallo. And Violet makes a comment. She's like, Gallo seems like a player. And Ritter's like, a player? Really? Does that look like a player to you? Cut to Gallo like messing up the pizza dough so badly. <laughs> the cutest little cut of him like fucking up the dough and like just getting stuck in it and stuff. Oh my it's, God. It's, it's so, so cute. Um, and Violet's like, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. 
Um, and but Ritter says like, okay, you and Gallo should like put your stuff aside, and like the three of us should like all be friends and hang out more because like we got each other. And she's like, oh yeah, okay. So Ritter, Gallo, and Violet are hanging out at Molly's when Ritter compliments Herman on Molly's patio being like a smash success. And so then Herman steps away or whatever, and Ritter decides that the three of them need their own side hustle together so they can make this extra money. And I'm already here. I don't know what it is yet. They haven't decided on anything, but I'm already here for whatever that side hustle is. Yeah, same. I'm in. I'm like, count me in. I'm there. Tell me what to support when. But here's a better question is, what do you think their side hustle is? I was just about to ask you that. I oh, mean, man. Given this episode, I could see it being like a pizza food truck. Uh, yeah, I cannot see it being a pizza food truck because of this episode and Gallo fucking up the dough. Yeah, but Gallo likes to cook. Yeah. Uh, I honestly kind of feel like after last week, maybe some kind of like event planning something because they were worked so well on Mouch's ceremony. I just, I don't know. Oh my God. If they like become wedding planners or something, that would be. Gallo could be the caterer. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh my God. Could you imagine them as like wedding planners? It would just be like a giant clusterfuck. That would be amazing. In the cutest way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hope we explore that more because they're great. I love them. Yeah. What else would they do? Um, or they try and be like social media influencers and they try and start a TikTok together. Cause you know, um, Blake and Ritter, they already run the social media like 451. So mm-hmm. I could see them trying to make TikToks and make 51 like a, a, a big thing. Oh God. I love it. I love it. They're so cute. So any other notes about this one? No, just, I love them. I love them so much. I love them so much. And I'm glad that they're like safe and sound at the end of the finale and we don't have to worry about their fate for the next four months. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 Just protect them at all costs. Literally protect them at all costs. Every character in one Chicago, just protect them at all costs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So last up, we've got Bowdoin. And Bowden calls Herman and Mouch into his office and he mentions that DC Hill has asked if he would like to be considered for a deputy district chief role. Damn. And Bowden's actually not really that thrilled. More chief work, less firefighter work. Don't lift your leg on this opportunity so quick, chief. I would hate personally not to see you as much on shift, but let's be honest. We need you as high ranking as possible. I had my fill of bureaucracy when I lobbied for commissioner. Herman's right. You know, you look at a lot of these white shirts and you think, not a firefighter, not a firefighter. Why you're so good as a battalion chief because you stood where we stand. When do you need to get back to her? She says she wants an answer by the end of the week. She's got to present the mayor with an org chart in July. Well, either way you lean. You got our support. I love Herman and Mouch hyping him up. I know. I love that he called them in first. Not Casey or Severide. I love that he called them in first and wanted to talk to them. Like, I love this little friendship trio. And yeah, I love that they hyped him up because of course Bowden would be amazing at that job. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. If your friends don't hype you up like that, get new friends. It's For good. real though. 
So good. Yeah. So then um, Stella comes into Bowden's office later to just kind of thank him for everything. Because remember, we're, we're under the assumption that Stella's going to get a lieutenant's placement and, and fly the coop. And so she says, she's like, thank you. You know, you signed me up for the leadership conference when I wasn't even considering myself a leader. You had that confidence in me. You think you know what that means to someone in my shoes, but you don't. It means everything. And then Bowden just says, I just saw what was right in front of me, a remarkable firefighter and an even more remarkable person. I love them. I know I do too. I love them. So sweet. So then in the middle of the night, Bowden is contemplating everything. He looks at the picture of Donna and Terrence, and then he gets up and goes, and he looks at the picture that he has of the first Black firefighters. And he's leaving his house to go to the next shift and runs into some new neighbors. And the little boy there, he wants to be a firefighter, and Bowden invites him to 51. And the guy just says, he's like, it's nice to have neighbors that my son can look up to. Um, did this scene seem to feel a little bit forced to you? Watch the neighborhood scene? Yeah. A little bit. Like, I kind of felt like I would have hoped that everything that everyone else said to him, like, who actually is at 51, would have been enough to convince him. Yeah. And it kind of felt like, oh, this was the turning point that convinced him to do it or, you know, to, like, reach back out to Deputy Commissioner Hill. And I was like, I didn't think that was, I don't know. Hmm. It just felt a little weird. A little bit weird a little bit weird yeah so then when chief gets to shift he basically has kylie get dc hill's office on the phone and we leave it at that so we don't know we don't know anything anything in there so i mean i don't know what what do you think happened i i don't know like i do part of me thinks he's going for it man i don't I know. know i i could see him opting to stay but then it's gonna be like almost too perfect if he opts to stay and so does Stella. Well, I don't think Stella can stay. What are they going to do then? Like split focus between 51 and another house? I don't know. I think it's easier for them if Bowden leaves and becomes deputy district chief and it's easier for him to pop in and only focus then on 51 if, Mm. you know, I think it's easier that way. True. True. Versus, like, they can't really tell the story of 51 and also, like, 27, House 27. You know, like, that that doesn't make sense. Right, right. But it's easier for Bowdoin to pop in and out, so. I see that, so. Um, We got one listener thought for this, and I admittedly have not heard this one yet. So since the finales are the finales and they were so brutal, we did open up voice memos back up. We got a handful, but one of our regular listeners, Christine, um, it wasn't her who sent the voice memo. She had her three-year-old son Gunner send the uh, the voice memo. I didn't even realize we got a voice memo from him. So we're going to go it's, ahead and play it. I, I, I like ambulance and the fire It's so cute. Oh, my God. It's, That's like, so it's I mean, it's so short, but it's so cute. Aww. It's so cute. Hi, Gunner. <laughs> I love that so much. It's so cute. Christine is my kind of mom. Like, that is, like, my, that would be my style of parenting. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you could stay up and watch with me, too. I just want to make sure I watch. Like, that. that is my style of parenting. Right, right. Oh, my God. I love that so much. Oh, adorable. Adorable. So cute. Any other notes on fire? I love, I, I mean, again, 10 last 10 minutes aside, I love this episode. Yeah, I can work with this as a finale going into hiatus. I can work with this. Yeah, I mean, again, I hate the last 10 minutes because it's not fun. And I don't like the fact that we have four characters' fates, you know, but up in the air. But 
Speaking of fates or characters' fates up in the air, is the scorecard alive this year? I, you know what? I had that question when Derek started hyping up the finale and that he was like, oh my God, like blah, blah, blah. I was like, is the, is the scorecard out? Um, it's Osiello who does the scorecard, right? Or is it it's TV line? Well, yeah, TV line, yeah. So, yeah, so TV line, you, you, we all know, they usually do their like end of season scorecard where they have like number of deaths, number of proposals, numbers of, you know, this crazy thing, that crazy thing. I don't think I saw one this year. I'm looking. I see the renewal scorecard, but that's not what I want. I don't think they ever came out with one this year. What? And I'm kind of glad, honestly, because that thing gives me anxiety. Because they'll start it off. They'll like they'll put out the scorecard, and maybe you'll start off with like ten potential fatalities, and you'll think like, "Cool, there's only ten this year." Oh no, no! As more finales grow, the list grows. So like, you may think your show is safe, but it's not. Okay, it's called May Sweeps. I'm going to try to see if I can find it. I don't think it exists for 2021. Fine with me. What? That's crazy. Fine with me. It looks like the last one they did was in 2019. I think it's stressful AF. So, fine with me. Okay. Any other notes on fire? No, but speaking of stressful AF. Oh my God. I know. Okay. Stretch it out. Everybody stretch. Take your minute. Stretch it out, get that drink, go to the bathroom, maybe get that other glass of wine. Okay. Um, most traumatic episode of PD ever? Ever. 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 I, I mean, this stresses me out still. This was fucking traumatic. I know. And not in like a, I mean, yes, like one character's fate, I guess, is potentially up in the air but not even like in a that way it is just so stressful because of all the internal shit holy shit dude holy shit okay so we all know where we ended last week right burgess rolled up alone and the guy was like oh hey officer and then like beat her silly and that was it okay so we start the episode and adam arrives at the second location he finds her phone he finds some blood he finds her belt he finds her vest so we're not even done with the teaser and adam's like fuck like that's straight up it okay so kent drags kim back into some random ass warehouse she tries to reason with him and then she fights back but he gets the upper hand okay so she's like listen don't call roy if you call roy He's going to kill me. You know that. And you're not the guy who killed these women. Like, we all know that. So don't call Roy. So what does he do? He calls Roy. Calls Roy. Also, can we please stop kicking her? Like, this was a very violent episode. I know. So violent. I know. Like, the throws to the ground, I was like, all right, Kim can handle that. But every time he kicked her, I was like, stop it. Stop it. I know it just I I had like traumatic flashbacks to last season when she lost the baby and she was getting like kicked around and I yeah oh my god okay so Roy arrives now when Roy arrives I just want to point out we are eight fucking minutes into the episode eight eight out of a full like hour-long episode okay Roy arrives and shoots Kent and Kim eight minutes in I did not see that coming. What the fuck? I did not see that coming. No, me neither. I was like, holy shit. I know. I know. Um, I think that single-handedly might be the most traumatic scene in PD history. If it's not the, it is definitely one of the most. Not dramatic, traumatic. No, I know. But yeah, I, I think it might be one of them for sure. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's only made worse by her plea right before when he gets there, she goes, no, no, please. I have a daughter. <laughs> Holy shit. I know. <sighs> you know how there's multiple D words on fire. There's, this is one of the D words on, on PD now is daughter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is just the epitome of that. This is fine. meme where the dog is just like, this is fine. Mm-hmm. This is fine. This is not fine. JK. I'm not fine. No JK. I'm not fine. Eight minutes, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So while this is happening, intelligence has like a shit ton of leads, but they're really not sure how or where to start. They've got a ton. So Jesse had done an interview a couple of weeks ago where he basically was like alluding to this kind of being a version of like their, their version of civil war, basically um, making a Marvel reference, which made me so, so, so happy. But on one hand, you've got, you know, Voight, Haley, Adam. On the other hand, you've got Jay, Kim, Kevin. So I think we need team names for these guys. I think we do. We do, but I couldn't really come up with it. Like as I was outlining this episode, I think I found a happy medium, but so, okay. So, you know, team by the book, team rules, team, like we love rules. They want to follow procedure, of course. Now team rogue over here on the other side, like Voight, Haley, Adam, they're just like, yeah, no, we're scorched earth. We're just burning shit down and apologizing later. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the best team names for them. I come up with better ones later on. I think, I think, Okay. what do you think? so far they're fine okay there's nothing wrong with them but they could be better they could be better right they don't flow okay so void of course like wins this whole round because he's he's void so no warrant we're just gonna scorched earth go in places and be like fuck you we're the cops where's kim not a good strategy but no it bothers me i mean it it bothers me because like they're literally talking about it and adam just like knocks down the door and i was like what the fuck dude dude now there was a part of me when i did watch this episode the first time there was part of me that was like no do what you've got to do find her find her because once once she's shot i mean like the the clock is ticking right I feel like, yeah, if she, if she wasn't shot so early on, I think I'd be more like, what the fuck are you guys doing? But since she shot so early, I'm like, no, like she's going to bleed out. Go find her. Eh, It's touchy. Okay. So Ruzik puts a gun to a guy's head, like to get information, like right off the bat. And so it works. He gets the information, but Kevin and Jay are like, what the fuck? Like you cannot do that. That Cannot do that. I was like, I was like, I was like, Ruzik. I, and, and, and I, it was very late when I watched it, but I was like, dude, I, I was kind of okay with it just because I was like the clock's ticking, dude. Like she was shot, go, 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 which I shouldn't have been okay with it. But the interesting thing here too, is that you've got, you've got Jay and Kevin who were like, no, like do this by the book. What the fuck are you doing? Haley doesn't say a word. Nope. Not a thing. Just kind of interesting. So then we get the first of multiple Rusewater confrontations. Mommy and Daddy fought this whole episode, and I hated it. I hated every second of it. Every single second. Adam says some straight-up awful things to Kevin in this episode. Straight-up awful. Mm-hmm. In- they're insensitive. They're inconsiderate. Just... And the thing is, is that knowing Adam like we do, obviously, it's been eight seasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really truly means them i think he just is speaking from a place of fear because he obviously loves kim and is afraid for her Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it's okay either no no and 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 even if it is coming from a place of fear the fact that he's still willing to verbalize that especially to Mm -hmm. kevin is not a good sign right it's like when people say the n-word and they're like oh i'm not racist it's like but yeah you still said it 
Yeah. Right. You like, still that said it. like you, you may not be racist and you may not have meant to say it or whatever, but like you still said it and that means something. You still said it and you still thought it was okay to say. Right. Like yeah. it still means something. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then in, in, in this first Ruzewater confrontation, he just says, he's like, well, do you have a better idea? Or are you just preaching just to preach? Adam, like this is your best friend you're talking to, supposed best friend mm-hmm. who you've just been downright shitty to. Really shitty. Yeah. And then he says, he's like, help save Kim or help save the world. And, and Kev says, you have no right to talk to me like that. Like not after what just happened in that house, you know, you just put a gun to a man's head. And I, I hate that it's an either or that Ke- Adam views it as an either or you either help save Kim or you help save everybody. Like go rogue or follow the rules. And if you follow the rules, Kim dies. Mm-hmm. That's dangerous logic. Yeah. Like really dangerous logic. It's not good. Um, that particular lead also turns out to be a dud, but the silver lining there is that we did get that cute video of Patty twirling in the Chicago River. Did you see that? So <laughs> I good. love that so much. Jesse's like, just know how much we appreciate you that we're standing in the Chicago River and Patty's just twirling. <laughs> so good. Oh my God. Dorks. Dorks. And I, I also love I love that they're able to laugh between takes when they're filming such heavy stuff. Like in the middle of a river it's fine in the middle of a river it is a little comforting though because when things get really intense on that show i'm like oh good they're smiling okay things are okay Whew. yeah good good so then burgess wakes up and she goes full bear grills there's just this this woman just she's amazing Repeat she's amazing. after me kim burgess is a fucking badass kim burgess is a fucking badass now everyone else pass it on pass it on oh my god so she's been shot twice in the stomach and her first thought isn't like holy shit i'm in pain holy shit i'm screwed no she pulls herself to roy grabs his phone and then takes off his shoes and his socks and his belt to stop the bleeding and place a tourniquet what i know amazing um, can I officially amend my zombie apocalypse team and add her to it? Yes. I don't even remember who was originally on my team. I think she might have originally been on it, but like I definitely want her now. I know. If she wasn't on it, I want her on it. Holy shit. Where did she learn this stuff? I mean, she's been through some shit now. Man. Now, all of a sudden, I really want to see her and Severide put their talents together for like a crossover or something. Oh my god. I know. Like, Wouldn't that be amazing? Not like Wonder Twins, but what was that superhero? Co- You're not going to know. Um, they had the rings. <laughs> Captain America. No, that's Chris Evans. Um, Captain Planet. There we go. He's a hero. That one where they they have like the different powers and they put the rings together and it becomes a thing. And Bryna has no idea what she what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, because she's a 90s baby. But I like how I was like, Captain America. Nope. No, I can tell you, no, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. It's Captain Planet. He was like blue and they all had different powers of elements. And like, I'm trying to find like a quick picture just to show you, but that I I would pay good money to see Burgess and Severide put their skills together. Cause like those two are just, and I Google Captain America. I'm pathetic. I'm the worst. I'm so sorry that you have to deal with me on a weekly basis. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. Yeah, that was Captain Planet. Can you see that? yeah okay yeah so he's like blue and has like green hair it's it's effing weird but i digress (laughs) okay so 
yeah, like I, just crazy. So then not only does she like pull the tourniquet on and she like, you know, stops her bleeding or whatever, she army crawls out of this warehouse, army crawls without using her legs, straight up on her elbows, digging with her hands, like crawling herself and pulling her body weight across the concrete. What? While she's bleeding out. Could Severide do that? I want to say yes. That's some like... But that's some like next level shit. That is some ninja warrior shit. Yeah, totally some next level shit. Yeah, yeah. If there was any doubt, like there's literally nothing this woman cannot do. Like, wow. Wow. And also right when you think that like the warehouse episode from season two, you're like, well, it can't get much worse than that. Oh, it gets worse. Mm -hmm. Just like when Jay got shot and how you're like 301, it can't get any worse than that. And then it does. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So they follow this lead. Like, there's a car that's in a water. The, the car's in the river, basically. And Ruzik and Halstead go, like, running. They try and find it. There's nothing. But they do get a phone out of it. And the phone just gives them, like, a shit ton more leads. So this is where I try, I try and rename the rule. I'm, I'm trying to rename the teams again. Okay. So they get all these leads off this phone. Okay. So team fuck the rules. That's Haley and Jay and Adam. They want to oh, attack not Haley all Haley and Jay and Adam. Haley, Voight and Adam. Haley, Voight and Adam. I was really excited by my team names. Okay, so team fuck the rules is like, let's chase them all. Team by the book is like, let's narrow them down and let's get some warrants. So Void sides with them. So it's like, it's a tied game now. Kind of interesting how like, usually, I mean, this episode, yeah, we draw our lines in the sand, but also you see Void and Haley kind of playing a little flip floppy game there. Kind of mm-hmm. just interesting. I don't know. Interesting. Um, and Ruzik takes it like Ruzik. Are you kidding me? What are we doing? Boss, these guys shot three kids like, like it was nothing. They tortured the deputy soup, son. I mean, what do you think they're doing to Kim right now? No one's saying we're not going to do what's needed to do no, to find No, we, we waste time with all this, this, this homework. Kim's going to be dead, man. Adam, this is not helping. You are not helping. You understand me? So go. Just take a walk. Get your head Boss. straight. Get your head straight now. Which then leads us to this. Well, it's not wrong. If we're going to find birders, we got to do it right. We got to be smart. We can't be running around hitting doors, man. Yeah, why are you worried they'll revoke your woke card? How the hell are you even going down that road? Burgess is missing. I know. So who cares about right and wrong? Who cares about reform? We need to find her now. That's exactly what we're doing. No, that is not what we are doing. That's not what you're doing. That's not what they're doing. I can't get 10 words out without somebody finding some sort of problem, wanting a warrant. Want to politely knock on some punk story? I'm sorry, that's the law. Ha, <laughs> the law, here we go. Come on, man. We all want to find her, but you don't get to change the rules just because it's Kim. I most certainly can. I can precisely because it is Kim. And if you can't understand that because you're too busy checking boxes, kissing ass, then I don't know what to say to you. Watch yourself. Kim, I know that we don't agree on everything, but I would think in this situation, Right now, with Kim missing, you could put all that other crap aside. See that this is a different situation. Take a day off from being a proud reformist. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh my God, it's so bad. (laughs) Adam is so, so in the wrong. It's like kind of amazing how in the wrong he is. It's really bad. It's so bad. Oh my God. Like, 
Adam basically took his white privilege and put it on a platter and shoved it in his black best friend's face. Mm-hmm. How Adam of all people who has stuck by, he stuck by Atwater so many times in the past eight seasons. I know. I will say from the storyline perspective though, I did appreciate this scene and the fact that it kind of culminated a season's worth of like tension and angst built up to this moment like it felt I don't know if satisfying is the right word but I was glad they finally kind of came back to all of this stuff they've kind of been dropping in throughout like the episodes all season yeah um but yeah it's just oh man oh my god I mean uh and then the part where he says he's like I would think right now with Kim missing you could Paul put all that other crap aside that's like a teeny bit of gaslighting like trying to make him feel like the bad one mm-hmm like what? what he's been doing is wrong just because Adam doesn't agree with it. Oh my God. And then how Adam's like, oh, because it's Kim, I can make up the rules. Hell no. No, 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 no. That's the thing that bothers me. We'll get to there, obviously. But that's the thing that bothers me about this episode is that just because it's one of their own, make things, they think they can make up the rules and that's not how it goes. Oh my God. Ah, it's so bad. Okay. So then Upton does give Adam a nice little pep doc to like pull it together for Michaela. So that is kind of nice that she's like, no, like you need to pull it together. Uh, and then Adam, of course, has that moment where he's like, you know, that worst case scenario, it's not going to happen. Like, it's just not. So um, if you guys don't want to cry, then don't think about the fact that, you know, because Michaela's precious to Burgess, like she's precious to all of intelligence. Don't think about that because it'll make you cry. This whole scene, though, I mean, I did love this scene. And honestly, <laughs> I think these are like some of my favorite like Upton and Ruzik moments, like if this is could have been what Upsick was, like such a good friendship, I would have been here for this a long time ago. Yeah, I think they were they were just purely about the sex. Yeah. Yeah. But like yeah. if this could have been all what Upsick was a few seasons ago, man. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Right. Take it from here. Okay. So speaking of Kim, she literally claws her way to the Buick. Like literally claws her way there. And she just keeps telling herself, like, you know, like, don't die, don't die. And then somehow she manages to take a rock and smash the car windows so that she can unlock it and, you know, get in there. And I was like, oh, my God, this woman, again, is such a fucking badass. Yeah. And not only did she smash the window, she manages to find the key and turn on the hazards before she passes out. Queen shit. Mm Mm-hmm. So intelligence is still working on the phone and, but Jay comes back to said Buick. So Boyd splits them up again. And it's just like, oh man, this is, this is, yeah. It's like basically Voight. So team fuck the rules is on the no warrant walk and talks. And you've got team, what Gina calls like by the book is, setting up a perimeter so they can like walk it and do it like the legal way okay but how's that one team rules and team fuck the rules is that better that's better okay yeah (laughs) so but anyway it's just like basically like okay you're gonna do your way you're gonna we're gonna do our way and like let's see who comes out on top and it's like no that's not how this is supposed to go like you're supposed to work together to find her Mm -hmm. together not against each other so bad but anyway so hank sends 
Adam and Haley on like a fool's errand, basically, because they get all the houses that like nothing's happened at. And he, on the other hand, goes to find Roy and it basically ends up being a scene straight out of PD season three. Yeah, that's some old school shit. It's so old school. And honestly, like PD, even season two or one, like, but yeah, definitely the early seasons of PD. It's dragging him across the floor, man. Yeah. So Haley convinces Adam to go be with Michaela and he is not having it at first. He doesn't want to go. But she's like, no, like Michaela's going to need you. Like you agreed to be there for her. Like she needs you. I know you're scared, but imagine what, how scared she is. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh man, I, my emotions couldn't handle it. I know. And they're both crying. It's such a killer. But then, of course, so Adam does end up going back to Burgess's place for Michaela. And then Haley clearly starts to go look for Voight. Which leads to, honestly, I think one of the best sequences ever. It's 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 insane. Like, it, it's so intense, like, uncomfortably intense, but also so good. Oh, so intense. Yeah. So Haley holds hank back from roy and jay and kevin have found kim thanks to her quick thinking even though she's been shot twice and bleeding out but Mm -hmm. she you know so i mean i just love that whole sequence when they do find her and jay like starts the car and then kevin takes her out and like puts sits with her in the back seat i just i can't my i know i know it's so sweet i also feel like we should give more attention to the fact that jake saved kate Oh, yeah. I mean, she saved herself. There were some definite Lucy Chen vibes in there. Like, she definitely saved herself. But, like, Jay is the one who found her. And those two never share, those two never share scenes together. I know. It's so sad. But, yeah. It's just- we also got a teeny tiny bit of Jay's calm voice. That was nice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. That was nice. Okay. So, we've got them. They got Burgess. They're rushing off to the hospital. And, of course, while this is happening, they're radioing in to Haley and Boyd that, you know, they have Burgess. But then this happens. Haley, if you wanted to be moral, you should have thought of that before you came in. Hmm? I mean, just because your stomach can't handle it because you're scared, it doesn't change the reality. You're here now. And you knew exactly what to expect when you came here. You wanted it, didn't you? Now you know. Now you know. This is what it feels like. We're bringing him in. We can't, Haley. After everything that you have spat at me, that I can't handle it, that I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night, that I'm not you. You're right, Sarge, I'm not you. But I am here now, and there's no going back. So you go cross whatever line you're going to cross, but you remember that you are dragging me to the other side with you. This oh, is man. huge. Yeah. So is is this Haley essentially switching teams from like team fuck the rules to team rules? I don't think so. Because to me, what this really more was, was her being honestly like it showed her first of all it put her and Voight's relationship on like center stage Mm -hmm. and really showed a light because it's different than everyone else's yeah and I think to me honestly this 
goes back more to that and more that she's just so desperate for Boyd's approval mm -hmm. and like she was almost in some ways I think trying to manipulate him with that line being like so you go do it like you know I'm right there with you like this is who I am now like I've learned from you like you are the one you know if you're gonna do it I'm gonna do it like I am your protege almost mm -hmm. um but no I don't think Haley switched teams that's crazy this is so crazy but also you think like she switched teams well i i was i was really surprised by her pleading with him to do it by the book because when she said she's like no i'm not you and then she was pleading with him to bring him in i was like is she is this her like i took yeah. this as her like not giving into that darkness to realizing that like she was kind of at the door of like giving into the darkness and she realized like no i don't want this yeah so I mean, but the damage is done. So, like, Hank can't call it in even because the Artie, of course, roughed him up. And there's no record of him being there. Right. And so Haley convinces Hank to bring him in, like we were talking about. But Roy attacks Hank and gives no ha gives Haley no choice but to shoot and oh, kill Roy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, there, there, so, yeah. So, Haley has to kill Roy because, you know, he attacked Hank. But there was an interesting tweet I saw today from um, user at Kelly Severide. And Kelly was K-L-L-Y. Just kind of implying that maybe, you know, Hank kind of manipulated the situation so that Roy would die regardless of what Haley thought. The more I think about that, though, I don't think Hank would bait her into that. I don't think he did only because right after that like she goes in to do something and like I don't know if she's trying to like save him or touch you know check his pulse whatever she goes and he's like no 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 no, don't touch him mm -hmm. and I don't think if he like tried to bait her into killing him that he would have had that same reaction of like no 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 like I don't want you like there to be any signs that you were here I just also can't help but ask the question because what you see when, when Hank kneels down to like cuff him or do whatever to take him into custody, you can see his gun on his hip. Like, why would you bend down so close to him? Okay, so there's a good question then. Not that he baited her into killing, but like, did he set it up so that Haley would have to make that choice so that he would die? Because that gun is right next to him when he, he kneels down to, to uncuff him. Wait, say that again. Okay, so so when Hank when Hank goes to like bring mm -hmm. him in, right? So like, and I'm just gonna like use what I've got around me that you guys can't see. Okay, so if this is Roy or Kent, whatever whatever his face is, I can't remember. Okay, so if this is him, and then Hank is coming in on this side, Hank kneels down here. Well, his gun is right next to mm -hmm. your guy, so that it, it was almost too easy for him to grab the gun and try to attack him. Yeah, I got you. I got you saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, so I could see something like that, but also, I mean, if that's the case, then that's just wrong because that's going to, that's going to eat at Haley in a really bad way. Right. I think Void is evil. I don't think he's maybe that evil. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. And, but he, and he's also, he's also worked so hard not to pull the members of intelligence into that evil. Yeah. Okay. So while this is going on, of course, at med, they are prepping Kim for surgery. And the whole time while they're working on her, Kevin is on the phone with Adam. And he's just like, you know, I'm staying on the phone. Like, I'm not going anywhere. And Adam's just like, appreciate you, bro. They're How are they okay? I mean, I don't think they're okay by they a long be. shot. But be. I think they it's one of those moments that now that they have Kim, they've realized they can put their shit aside for like one second to be there for her. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Kevin, I, I'm definitely, you know, 
I'm definitely I'm impacted Kevin, by Adam's yeah, words. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, if I'm Kevin, I'm pissed. I'm still mad as hell. But I also realize that Kim means a lot to me and Adam means a lot to her. Mm-hmm. And it also means a lot to me. And like for two, you know, until we know that she's going to be okay, I can put that shit aside. Yeah. I'm still mad about it, but I can put that shit aside for, you know, 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then I can go back to being mad. Yeah. Um, Also Adam with Michaela. Oh my God. But while this is happening, we see Hank dumping the body. My God. What are we doing? I know. This is literally like season three all over again. Mm Mm-hmm. I just hope he learned his lesson this time from the last time he buried a body and like, you know, chose a better spot when that's not likely to get turned into a department store. Mm. Yeah. So bad. So anyway, so we got just a little bit left. And basically though, we go, Haley returns back to her apartment. Jay is already there waiting for her, of course, obviously. And then this moment happens. I love you, Jay. Love you too. You're just so decent, and I just. Hey, hey. It's okay. We're gonna be okay. I don't want to be without you. Yeah, I gotta be. Maybe we should get married. I'm serious. Let's get married. Wait, what? (laughs) Ailey proposed to Jay. What just happened? Yeah, you said, yeah, you heard that right. What? I mean, like, I'm not mad. But I also think it's like the trauma of what just happened talking. I was just about to say, I think deep down she means it. And obviously, of course, I think deep down, I'm sure they'll get married one point. Mm -hmm. But that, I think, is the trauma talking. Yeah. 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 I think she, I mean, you you just see it so clearly that, like, you know, Voight represents the darkness in her. Jay represents the light. And I think after that moment, she definitely just wants to cling to that light. She wants to cling to that happiness that she has in her life. Yeah, and I do, I do too. I also think, and I saw this theory kind of floating around Twitter, and I don't know how much I believe it in it, but I think it is an interesting point to bring up. Somebody said that, well, if they get married, then Jay can't testify against Haley if she were to tell him everything. I saw that, and I saw that a couple times. I That does make sense. I, I don't, don't think that's the sole reason of her doing it. Same. But... I don't think that is a, I think that's an added bonus. Yeah. If it were to happen. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. I don't think that's, I don't think she's like, man, I saw this and I know I'm probably going to get in trouble, but so I'm going to get married to Jay, the love of my life only so he doesn't, I can tell him and I can let that guilt out, but he doesn't have to testify me. It's fine. He can't, you know, I don't think that's what she thought. Yeah. I saw that. It may have crossed her mind, but I don't think that's what she thought and why she did it. Same, same. But it is an interesting point. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really interesting. Uh, Yeah, I just, I, my mind is blown. But also then there's the whole part of like, well, how does Jay respond? I think it's a good sign that Jay was smiling when she said it. 
but I do think he's going to be like, it's been a really scary day. Like, you know, I, I think he's just going to be like, let's, let's just tap the brakes, like and get some sleep. Yeah. But I don't know. Oh man. So again, we did these things with some voice memos and we got this one from Elise, which was just accurate. So, yeah. Accurate. Okay. I, w- I will be honest with this. This episode has been a lot. <laughs> I mean a lot. Especially, especially the proposal at the end <laughs> made by Haley. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this at all. I really don't. This is, oh my god, this, this has been a lot. <laughs> and I mean a lot. But I'm all in for it. Oh god. <laughs> I'm still freaking out with this. I still have to process this. I can't. I can't. <laughs> but who knows what to expect in this season? I mean, we we kind of already have an idea, but seriously, who knows? Yeah, I think that's us. Yeah, that that's literally us. Yep. Yep. Anyway. Okay, so the episode ends with casually lighting said body on fire and breaking the fourth wall casual casual undoing every single thing that we've built up this season i know i know yeah yeah just just yeah and i mean but but you do have to think about it though that if they if they did bring him in then you know it was gonna the ramifications of that that they were gonna have to you know explain where was he why was he there why is he all bloody it was gonna roll back and reflect really poorly on samantha and i don't know yeah i mean i get it i i I, listen i'm not saying i don't understand why Voight did it i understand fine why he did it i don't agree with it but I understand where he was coming from. I find it very worrying that he, it, it's, it seems like it's too easy for him to err on the side of brutality. And it takes a lot of effort for him to not go there. That worries me. Mm-hmm. But still to this day, it is like no big deal for him to just switch back into that crazy mode. Yeah. And it's just so effortless for him. Yeah. It's just fucked oh man so you guys had by far by far by far by far the most to say about this mm-hmm. so Allie said what the actual fuck i think this is officially the most stressful episode in the history of pd this would have been bad enough by itself but after watching this after the fire cliffhanger made it even more unbearable kim better fucking be okay hey man yes hey man um her getting shot in the first minutes had my jaw drop open, and I legitimately thought they just killed her off. Thank, I, I kind of thought that for a hot second. Um, thank I'm glad I was wrong, but I thought that for a hot second, too. Thank God she survived, but seeing her struggle and fight for the rest of the episode was excruciating to watch. How many, how many hours was she out there alone bleeding? It is a miracle she made it to the hospital. Um, surely after all that, they just can't kill her off, right? But the tiny clip of someone cutting that hair tie off her wrist worried me that it was her tie to Michaela's, so cutting it off kind of seemed symbolic, as if it was severing her tie to Michaela and everyone else in the living world. I know that was very 
poorly worded probably sounds ridiculous my head is kind of a mess right now I, I okay so um Allie with with all due respect I think you might be reading a little too much fan fiction no such thing right um I don't think that's what that meant at all. I think I think it was just paying off from the foreshadowing that the other episode when she had the bullet go through her jacket and like the holding with the hair tie. I think that was just paying off on the foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting theory though, but oh, it I'm, totally is. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not there yet. Okay. So how do you feel about Burgess at this point? Because it is a little unsettling to me that she's still in surgery. I think she's gonna survive. Okay. I hope she does. It just I, makes. I don't, it, I'm not even gonna put it out there. I'm not. I, I'm not gonna put it out there. I don't want that bad karma in the world. So I'm not <laughs> even gonna say what I just came to my mind. But yeah, the alternative just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. 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 Um, we also got a voice memo from Lucas. That was a crazy finale week. Crazy finale episodes. Um, if Gina is the leader of the Will Halstead defense squad, I am always the leader of the Hank Voigt defense squad. But today, I have no defense for Hank Voigt. What Hank did today was uh, the most unbelievable. Brought me back to season one, Hank. Uh, Jay and Haley are probably going to get married now. Um, and that's just on PD on fire. I can't wait to see what happens with Kelly Severin and all of squad three. Bratsy finally got together, and I was so happy about that. And on med, I uh, was a little underwhelmed with Tori's exit, but I'm really uh, happy to see that uh, April got accepted. And that whole storyline with uh, Archer and Choi uh, was kind of hoping it got resolved and that Archer would leave, but he won't. Um, all in all, great, great, great episodes. And I'm so looking forward to next season. But damn, Hank. Hank, I try to defend you all the time. And it you didn't come in for me today. You did not come through for me. Because you went full on season one void. And it's not good. But great episodes. And I can't wait till next season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Christine said, I couldn't help but notice the parallel of the Voight-Haley situation to Voight-Lindsay in the Bingham situation. Her going home to Jay and having to hide that that all from him. I'm also wondering if Haley suggested getting married so Jay couldn't testify against her if this all comes out. Not to protect her, but to protect him. I love these legal theories you guys are coming up with. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But the thing is, is that I feel like the burden of hiding this, like... And, and, you know, I, I hate comparing Aaron to Haley, but like, this is going to be a harder one. This is going to be harder for Haley to bear, to kind of have to keep that a secret from Jay. I think Lindsay would be able to. I think this is hard for Haley because she loves him so much. And she, she, he brings so much to her life that she desperately needs. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting to think about the parallel. And the parallel is really interesting, too. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Casey said, I, although I do think the upset are in game and will get married at some point, I don't think now is the right time. Mm-hmm. I think Haley is very overwhelmed with what happened with Voight and Kim, and she wants to make sure that she'll always have Jay there. Although I think Jay will want to marry her, I don't think he'll say yes yet. I think he'll want to do it the right way, whatever that entails, especially when he finds out what happened with Voight. That being said, we got so many great upset moments this season, and I think that cliffhanger leaves a perfect jumping off point for season nine. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she also went on to say, well, the PD writers really know how to bring back old storylines and piss off an entire fandom, they'll say. <laughs> Season one, Voight was on full blast during the end of this episode. Tracy absolutely killed the scene between Voight and Haley, and I was thrilled to see that she stood up to Voight and told him that what he was doing was wrong. However, I'm not here for Voight or for how Voight handled the situation after that. I truly believe that Voight knew what he was doing when he went up went to get Roy up and deliberately put Haley in a situation where she'd be forced to shoot him. Unlike past seasons, I don't think he'll get away with it this time, especially with Sam around. I hope his days are numbered. So so this theory that Voight manipulated the situation, this is coming up a couple times now. Are we just like oblivious? We, I mean- I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and watch it for like another time. I don't, that's I not don't, how I took it, but- No, meaning I don't think, Voight has worked so hard to keep Haley away from that dark side. That I don't think I don't think he would do that. I would hope not. I know. I, I would hope not. I don't know. I need to go back and watch it maybe again. I know. I know. Um, I did say in our in our group chat today when we were talking about these episodes, um, Gwen Segan and Rick Eyed wrote this one together, and um, it wasn't Rick. It was Rick. Brennan no. Johnny. No, I was just yawning. Sorry. Oh, okay. No. Um, yeah. So Gwen and Rick wrote this one together, and uh, what we were talking about today, I was just like, "Man, is Gwen okay? Does Gwen need a hug? She writes the darkest episodes." I know. I know. It's so dark and intense and scary. Is she okay? Gwen, do you need a hug? We're here. Like safe space. Come hug us. <laughs> no, but really, come on the pod, please. Please. Not after that creepy ass play. I get it, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Damar said that Chicago PD finale was everything. I believe that Haley will tell Jay how Voight put her in an uncomfortable position and we'll get Jay, the Jay versus Voight era, which I can't wait for. Will Voight get away with what he did? I don't think so because Marina said the unit will look different next season. So I think Voight's going to get arrested. Also, Burgess is a badass, although we never got an update on her current health. I believe she'll pull through. I didn't see that proposal coming either. It floored me. I also loved how Haley stood up to Voight. Tracy was amazing. And I think Haley is the glue that kept intelligence together in this finale. And boy, that Rosewater fight was intense. That Rosewater fight was the worst. It made uh -huh. me very sad. Yeah. Um, everyone was great in this finale. Marina, Patty, Royce, Tracy, and Jesse. And I can't wait until season nine. Can you imagine Kevin and Jay's reaction if they found out what Voight did? Civil war and intelligence is about to begin. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so this actually comes from our friend Jackie, who just finished binge-watching all three shows just in time for the last two episodes of the seasons, and I'm so glad that she's finally caught up to this point where she can email us and, like, join the conversation. I love it. I love it so much. She binged like a boss. Um, so Jackie like said, yeah. So Jackie said, oh my gosh, it was gut punch after gut punch. Patty's acting was off the charts and his looks and his talks with Haley had me bawling. Atwater and Jay finding Kim and driving her to the hospital and Atwater lifting her arm back onto the gurney and staying on the phone with her, Ruzik. I think my heart was pounding so hard the whole hour. It would count as a workout. While it was a, while it was a suspenseful emotional finales oh, finale with not any resolutions and even the proposal left us hanging this might be the best episode of ever of pd in my opinion kim burgess is a badass and i will be devastated if she doesn't make it yeah, we're not putting that in the universe we're knocking on wood. Well, no jackie we're, we're not doing it. Nope, 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 nope. i i forgot about that moment too when when kevin puts her hand back on the gurney it's so gentle the way he does it, it it's a killer 
Mm-hmm. He's so gentle, just like, yeah. Haley G said, I'm sorry, but everyone in intelligence is a hypocrite. If any of them were in Adam's shoes, they would react the exact same way. Voight did exactly what he told Adam not to do. If you switch Kim with Jordan, I guarantee you Kevin would not follow the rules. Haley almost shot a man in public when Jay was missing. Speaking of Jay, he was kidnapped and almost died because he put an innocent black man in prison and got him killed, all because he just wanted to solve a case. So maybe Jay should be quiet when it comes to the right things to do. And then she says, sorry, haha, I know he's your favorite. No, but Haley is speaking complete truth. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. an interesting point too. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. Like, Haley came with receipts. Um, That Jay storyline will forever bother me. And I, like, I, forever, that will bug me. Um, I think the thing, though, is that just because it's right that they would do it doesn't mean that's still right. Like, just because if you switch Kim with Jordan, Kevin wouldn't follow the rules. Okay, yeah, he may do that, but that doesn't mean that's right either. We even saw that with Antonio and Diego in season Mm -hmm. one. Yep. Doesn't mean it's right, but no. yeah, I definitely agree with her that if anyone else, you know, if the roles were reversed, then yeah, I think they would all do something. No, I think, well, I think if you switch Kim with Jordan, I think that that's debatable. Cause remember that episode when, um, I think, I think it was the episode right before Jordan snitched that Kevin was after somebody who he had done something to Jordan. And then he, like, he got that moment where he cornered the guy and Voight just kind of looked at him and was like, do it. I'm right here. Do it. And then Kev didn't do it. Yeah. I think I, mm. I maybe Kevin, not Kevin, but I think Kevin would go further than he probably otherwise would. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Haley G also said, I think the finale missed the mark with the tackling reform. It was great as a way to divide the unit when it came to finding Kim, but my issue came with the Haley Voight scene. At its core, police reform stems from the unlawful treatment of black men and women by the police. Kevin was a perfect vessel to tell the story with Voight this season. Instead, we got Haley and Voight, which to me is not as impactful to have two white characters arguing which one of them is the worst as a worse person. Um, if they had Kevin in that last scene instead of Haley, that would have been a more powerful conversation. Haley came to play tonight. Haley also had something to say about the fat foreshadowing. She said, "Is that did they make a point to show them cutting off Michaela's hair tie from Kim's wrists?" Does the adoption not go through now because Kim cannot physically and most likely mentally and emotionally take care of her? I know Adam is the backup, but he's also a cop in the same situation as Kim is. So how does that work? I I, I really think the hair tie was just paying off on the foreshadowing. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But like, I don't think it means anything deeper. But now that's two people who've said it. So I know. Now we're like, fuck. Um, but yeah, and then she wrapped it up by saying she was not a fan of the Michaela storyline, but she feels like it's not going to go away. So it's something she just has to get over and that makes her mad. Okay. But it not going away means that Burgess lives and that I'm all here for. Yeah. 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 So, um, Angelina said, what do you think Floyd's future on PD looks like? I think he's not going anywhere. I want him to go somewhere. Hmm. <laughs> I think it's time. I mean, I think it's time, even if it just means for a little bit, if he got to go to jail, I think he, it, I think this is the time he needs to be punished and we need to actually see those consequences happen. Like maybe he needs to disappear for like five or six episodes and see, see what it looks like when Jay runs the unit. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just need to see him actually be punished for his actions. I mean, it took Will six seasons. Yeah, I know, but this has been eight. This will be nine seasons now. So yeah. 
Um, Sierra had a couple questions for us. She said, do you think Jay will say yes? No. No. Yeah. What do you think Marina meant by the unit will look a lot different next season? Could this be the season Voight finally pays for everything he's done in the past? I say no to the latter. Um, the unit will look a lot different next season. I think that means that, you know, rifts are going to form. I think Roosewater, there's no way they're going to be the same. I think they're not okay. I think Haley is kind of flip-flopping between team rules and team fuck the rules. Yeah, I just, and I think, I yeah, I this is not going to be the same intelligence we knew. No. Yeah. Um, do you think Jay will take on a more leadership-based role next season? I mean, I'd love to see it, but I doubt it. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to see it, but... Um, we also just had kind of one general listener comment, I guess, now that we've kind of wrapped up the PD section, Alice and G want to know, like, just what are you going to be most worried about until the premieres next season? Deadline's Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because honestly, I feel like assuming nothing comes out, then everyone's going to be fine. Like everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Like nobody's just leaving this, you know, only something's going to happen only if people are leaving the shows. Yeah. Yeah. What are you most worried about? Um, squad three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always... uh, like, I'm not worried about Kim. I mean, yes, I, I guess I'm worried about like the turmoil that will be the intelligence unit because it's obviously like we were just talking about, like, it's not going to be okay. It's never going to be the same, mm-hmm. but I'm not worried about Kim dying. I'm really not. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, like, is it in the back of my mind? Like, okay, yeah, Kim's technically bleeding out still on a table, yes. But, like, I'm not worried about her dying. I am, <laughs> like, slightly worried that, like, something could happen to one of the Squad 3 guys. And I'm, like, not okay for with that. I would have felt so much better if they had shown Crockett, like, prepping Kim for surgery. Because, like... I said the same thing. Crockett is... I was like, where is Crockett? He is the only doc I trust with Kim right now. He's also undefeated in terms of operating on members of intelligence. Remember, he saved Jay's life in season seven. Oh, yeah. He's got a clean... He's one for one so far, so I would trust him. Same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's about it. The season wrap. Crazy. Holy shit crazy so crazy we did it again that's what our fourth full seasons to cover our fourth yeah. year of full seasons yeah fourth full season yeah that's, that's wild that is so wild i know it's crazy to me that we've been doing that for that long and I'm yeah like, we'll turn we turn four in september that's bananas I know. I know oh my goodness okay so that's the end of the seasons i'm just like whoa, whoa. i know oh my gosh i'm like taking a it's- moment to let that settle I know. And like, it's been just such a crazy season, obviously with the COVID restrictions and filming and the fact that we actually made it to the end of seasons is like impressive. So impressive. Yes. I'm yeah. really, I mean, we should, I'm really hoping we get a full episode order next year. I think but- we should. I hope so. I can't imagine that we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, they're going back in July. So, um, yeah. so from, from, from here out, it's all like pictures of Jesse golfing and and you know for the next month though that's not as bad as it normally is within it's like two and a half months yeah true story 
True story. So um, you guys know where to find us. Okay. I'm going to give you this whole spiel first and then I'll let you know what's coming. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook. That's right. Right. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr. Yeah. Yeah. Mesa Molly's right across the board. Um, Check out the link in our socials. If you'd like to join our Patreon page and pick out which tier is right for you. There's a lot of cool stuff there. You guys, our tea public store, like it's like the best thing you don't know about. We've got a lot of cool designs there. We've got a listener named Haley who's been helping us with some amazing stuff. Her work is incredible. So go check it out. And they're going to have a bunch of different sales throughout the summer. So like, get your gear, get your gear. You don't even have to get a shirt. You can get like a sticker. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. So um, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please, 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 if you wouldn't mind taking a second to leave us a rating and review on iTunes, that would so greatly help us. And we would so greatly appreciate it. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna? I am at Bryna K13. Okay, so here's the deal with the schedule. Um, we're taking next week off, right? Mm, yes, I think so. I think we so. We talked about, we've thrown in down another idea, but it doesn't record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to take next week off. The season's just finished. We all need a breather, right? Those finales were fucking intense. Like, we need a breather. Um, patrons, you will hear from us. We're going to have our patron happy hour on June 3rd, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. Grab your cocktail, get on Zoom. Patrons, that's all awesome. Um, you know, we'll, we'll announce our schedules going forward. We've got some, some fun stuff planned for hiatus. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely going to cover some old episodes. Um, I think we want to do the Berzik episode at some point, like the big Berzik episode. We're talking we about need a couple weeks of prep. So a long, yeah, a lot of weeks. So that'll happen like July or August probably because that's a lot of work. Um, We're talking about a collaboration with a certain other podcast that you might know. So, you know, we're just, we got some things in the works. So if you have any ideas, it was just stuff you want to hear over hiatus or ideas you have, just let us know. Because now, now we're kind of in this like fun, chill period where we can just kind of do whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, let us know what you want to hear. And so I can't believe we finished up the seasons. I can't believe we're like, we did it. I know. We did it. I know. It's crazy. So anything else to add, Bryna? Nope. That's it. No. So yeah. Um, so everybody, you know, decompress after that fin- those, those finales, you know, relax, take a breath. We finally can and uh, have a good weekend and patrons, we will see you next Thursday and otherwise everybody else just keep an eye out on Twitter. Bye.